Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards and come back to get free coins every four hours only at highfivecasino.com high five casino is a social casino no purchase necessary void were prohibited play responsibly terms and conditions apply see website for details at high the number five casino.com high five casino before ai can help your business predict demand accelerate growth inform decisions automate tasks reveal insights generate content you have to trust it Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Well, you know, former Major League Baseball Commissioner A. Bart Giamatti said it best. The games are designed to break your heart. The Dodgers were 76-13 and when they scored first this year. Plenty of high drama baseball, not just tonight, but the last week, and... You know, I guess you could forget the fact now that at one point the Padres were 22 games behind the Dodgers during the regular season. The Dodgers were 14-5 and against the Padres during the regular season. The Dodgers won 111 games, and on March 24th, Dave Roberts told Dan Patrick, mark it down, we're going to the World Series. Hold that thought. We're going to get to all of it tonight. By the way, heavy NFL uh, Steve Fezzik and the Fezzik Five coming up in about 15 minutes. And you heard the man. My name is Bernie Fratto. I'm coming to you live from the Las Vegas TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free f- road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. As I said, about 15 minutes, we dive heavy into the NFL. We'll have plenty of that tonight. We've got college football, takeaways, recaps. What a special day today was. These Major League Baseball playoffs have been sensational. As I've always said about sports, you can, you can, you know, it's the greatest reality show going. You can, you can script everything but the inning. And yes, sports are entertainment, but they're much more than that. There are shared experiences such people want to talk about them. Yes, you have come to the right place tonight. We've got a lot to talk about. Welcome into the Bernie Fratto Show. We'll take you all the way to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. And as they say in Luis Arias, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. Where do we begin? Uh, I have to talk about these baseball playoffs because 
The beauty of it is, is you start over no matter what you did during the regular season. The Phillies, the Phillies were 14 games behind Atlanta this year. Who advances? Not Atlanta, Philly. Padres, 22 games behind the Dodgers. They advance. You just saw what happened. The Cleveland Guardians. By the way, the Guardians have never lost a playoff series. Did you know that? The Cleveland Guardians, <laughs> have, in, their, in their illustrious nine-month history, all right, forgive me. I'm a little giddy. I, I, you, you show me as much high-drama baseball as I've seen the last week, and uh, you know I might as well be in a crystal meth high. No, not really that. You, this is a family show. Scratch that from the record, Chris. Uh, the Guardians were, what, 26-4 and four down the stretch? Now they've got the Yankees on the ropes. They're trailing 5-3, to three, I believe, heading into the ninth inning. They got like 13 singles today. They come back when 6-5. to five. Tell me you won't be locked in at a little after 4 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock Eastern tomorrow after a full day of National Football League. And, you, you know, you go back and forth. You go back and forth because there's all kinds of good stuff tomorrow. But the Yankees are facing elimination. And I know, I, I know the networks may be a little concerned about the uh, you know Guardians Padres series. I'll be watching. And you got those Houston Astros, eighteen innings tonight, and Seattle prevails. And yes, I know I've joked about this. Seattle's been a great story, right? The last time, uh, you know, they won uh, or they were in the playoffs. What there were over five thousand blockbuster soars. You you know all the stats, Rihanna song, all that kind of stuff. So there you have it. And by the way, not for nothing. I just want to interject this. 34 years ago tonight, one of the major excitement events in... It's not very good vernacular. Let's try that again. 34 years ago tonight, Dodgers, Oakland A's, Dodgers leading 4-3 to three in the ninth. Dennis Eckersley's coming in. He's only walked 13 guys all year. He hadn't given up a home run in two months. I got a bet on the game. I leave a little early. Oh, man, we're looking good here. X strike, or he gets, uh, actually gets Mike Sosha to pop out, then he gets Jeff Hamilton to strike out, and then he walks Mike Davis. And that's when I had that sinking feeling. And I'm sitting in the parking lot, about to tear up my ticket. And Gibby comes up, hits the home run in a season that's featured the improbable. We've just featured, we've just witnessed the impossible. So there you have it. Uh, We'll get to a little bit more of this later in the night as well. This does not overshadow what I thought was an incredibly sensational day in college football. I said last night on my show that I thought this would be by far the most epic Saturday because of all the implications in the undefeated teams. Sportsbooks uh, had an interesting day. That I will tell you, the, the game they needed most, they needed Oklahoma to cover. Oklahoma was laying nine, and I know a lot of people – Smart people I respect looked at that and said, how could they possibly be laying nine? And I get that. How could they be? Oklahoma's looked like a drunk crossing an icy street all year. Well, Kansas was without their quarterback, and by the backup's good, he's about six points less value than their starter. Oklahoma got Dylan Gabriel back, and Kansas was facing what was called a a dream crusher game. They were 5-0 and last week. They lose, and now that their undefeated season's done, 85% of the tickets were on Kansas today, plus the nine. Ninety-four percent of the money was on Kansas, but Oklahoma wins by ten, and that's how this stuff happens sometimes. Remember, the the betting line is not a predictor. It, Las Vegas is not on the fortune-telling business. They're in the business of managing risk, and so that's why some of these lines look so crazy. Tennessee, give it up to Tennessee. Happy for the good folks down there. I remember 
when Tennessee was really good. They were really good for a long time, and actually they won the national championship the first year we had the BCS. And uh, credit to Jason Martin. He's been talking about the potential of that team all year, and I joked all week that Tennessee was what I would call the Jaws theme looming for Alabama Saturday. 84% of the tickets on Tennessee plus 7.5. And, and yes, Alabama was 12-5 and five against the spread when – when Saban was facing a team and less than 50% of the bets were on the Crimson Tide, but that's changing now. There's a lot more parity. Nick Saban is only 1-5 in in his last six as a road favorite when he's laying less than 15 points. But back to the uh, Tennessee side of the equation. Josh Heupel is rebuilding this once-proud Tennessee program. They're way ahead of schedule. Tennessee was ranked sixth heading into today. I think they could jump past Michigan. I'm not predicting that, but I think it could happen. But here's how good Tennessee was today. By the way, 52-49, nobody fouled out. What a hell of a game. Talk about high drama baseball, high drama football. Bama had not even allowed a first quarter touchdown in 13 straight games. What does Tennessee do? They score three in the first 15 minutes. Hendon Hooker, everything is advertised, hooks up with Jalen Hyatt. That's a combo that was early and often. Tennessee's offense entered the game averaging 46.8 yards a game. They score 52 against Bama. That was second in the country. And this is what they wanted to do, despite the fact they didn't have Cedric Tillman tonight. So Jalen Hyatt broke a volunteer's record with five touchdowns. He complete, he com- repeatedly burned Alabama secondary. And in case you're scoring at home, and I hope you are, before today's game, in their last 15 versus Bama, the key number, the reason that number key is key of 15, Tennessee had lost 15 in a row to Alabama. They only averaged 13 points a game, but they made up for it today. Josh Heupel and the turnaround of the Tennessee team has been nothing but short of remarkable. Tennessee ranked 108th two years ago, essentially, offensively, before he arrived on the scene, and look at what they've done. Now, you again, now they've got to validate it, okay? they got to play Georgia November 5th. If they do that, well, I think they're on their way to the playoffs. So let's let's take them one at a time. Alabama, they finally were undone by their own inflicted cell phones, what they've been doing for a while. Penalties, you know, throughout Nick Saban's life, his teams are no, notoriously disciplined. But for some reason, this year's team has kind of broken that mold, especially in the biggest games. Remember back in week two against Texas, Alabama committed 15 penalties, tied for the most. That's the most during Saban's time, his entire 15 years in Tuscaloosa. Well, guess what? They weren't satisfied with 15 today. Alabama committed 17 penalties, giving giving essentially Tennessee 130 yards of offense. It's 130 yards. Once again, the kicking game caused issue for Alabama. Will Rikers miss in the final minute? That sets up Tennessee in great field position, but Tennessee had to take advantage of it. Two completed passes. And so here's another situation. Will Rikers a good kicker. Local kid, Hoover High School, stud school there in Alabama. He's now hit just four of his last seven field goals. And that almost undid uh, Alabama against Texas A&M that one, that one weekend as well. This is crazy. Bama allowing 52 points. I can't get my mind around that. But give Tennessee credit. How about Michigan? Heading into the game today, Penn State had only allowed 398 yards rushing cumulatively the entire season. Today... They allowed 418. And why the hell are we getting more Heisman talk for Blake Corum? The kid's sensational. Outrageous what he does. Michigan's ranked 50, or fifth now. They're on the short list. They're gonna, you, you, know, you know where the elephant of the room is. 
They're going to have to go beat Ohio State the day after, you know, weekend Thanksgiving. But that tandem of Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards, they combined for 339 yards, four touchdowns, and they both had 60-yard scoring plays. J.J. McCarthy's been everything is advertised. I really like the guy. He did throw a pick six. Wasn't his fault. Bounced up high. But Michigan really dominated the game. In the second half, they beat Penn State 25-3. They dominated. At one point, Michigan had 200 yards. Penn State only had nine. And I, I realized Penn State had a high defensive ranking, but apparently those were empty calories, if you're really being honest, right? And in, in, in Penn State's five games prior to Saturday, only Auburn was ranked in the top 90 in, in terms of the rushing attack. And, you know, Michigan's now got a 300-yard passer. They got 300-yard runners. Uh, I, interestingly enough, the last time Michigan lost in the big house was in the COVID year to a Penn State team who, who strolled in there hadn't won a game. So how have times have changed? I talked about TCU and Oklahoma State, that being a big game today. Once again, give it up to Sonny Dykes. They pull a rabbit out of their hat, an incredibly dramatic comeback over Oklahoma State. TCU falls behind 24-7. Then they outscore the Cowboys 14-0 in the final quarter. They force overtime. They take the victory. Sonny Dykes, you look him up in the dictionary, and it says high-powered offense next to his name. 43 points on the board. Mike, look, Spencer Sanders, he, he torches TCU in the opening half. But TCU clamps down in the second half, and then teams kind of traded touchdowns, and it ends up in overtime, and you see what happens there. By the way, DJ, he continues to get it done for Clemson. He's turned things around in 2022. Last season, DJ Uagalele, I can never say the name, so I'll just call him ukulele. Work with me. You know what I'm talking about. Averages 160 or 196 yards of total offense per game last season. That was 11th at his own conference. That's not good. But he's increased that quite a bit today. A game that surprised me. I had hopes. I'm a USC wonk from way back. I remember student body right going to the Rose Bowls and the USC just crushing the Big Ten every year. The season this year under Lincoln Riley has absolutely been defined by an explosive offense. And, and, and a very opportunistic defense. They sacked the quarterback. They forced turnovers. They do all the right things. Somehow the luck ran out today. Give Utah credit. 43-42. Cam Rising, you've been hearing about him all year. He lived up to his press clippings. He throws for 415 yards and two touchdowns. And he runs for 60 yards. And I think he scored two or three touchdowns as, as well. And he saved his best for last. The touchdown and the two-point conversion in the final minute, that's clutch, man. That's when you get your name in the paper. That's the stuff legends are made of. So there's some quick takeaways from college football today. We'll revisit this a little bit later in the show. But you know where we're at now. It's NFL Week 6, and there's so much to get to. And coming up, get your pens and pencils ready. You're going to you're gonna be drinking through a fire hose, but you already knew that. The only two-time winner of the Westgate Super Contest, when it was the Hilton Super Contest, that would be Steve Fezzik and the Fezzik Five coming up in just a second. Football fans... Be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM every Saturday and Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. Tune in Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio in the iHeartRadio app presented by BetMGM. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com Fox Sports Radio studios here in Las Vegas. So keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. 
What do you get when you combine a three-time manager of the year and a three-time national sports writer of the year? It's the Book of Joe podcast. Hey, this is Tom Verducci from Fox Sports, MLB Network, and Sports Illustrated. And I'm Joe Madden, and we're going to be around to talk a little bit about managerial decisions, playoff games, and what may have occurred in the dugout maybe in the 1980s. I can't wait for this, Joe. We're going to dive into what goes on in the dugout and behind the scenes in Major League Baseball. Cars, wine, whatever else we want to talk about. Listen to the Book Joe podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We're back on the Bernie Frattle Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here, easy for me to say, in Las Vegas. It's that time of week. Get your pens and pencils ready. Grab your pens and pencils and paper. You're going to drink from a fire hose. yes. It is time. The only two-time winner of the Hilton, now, Westgate Super Contest. And that would be Mr. Steve Fezzik and the Fezzik Five. The time is now. It's the Fezzik Five. These are the five things you need to hear about. Now, with the only back-to-back Hilton Super Contest winner, Steve Fezzik. Here's Bernie Fratto. Not going to lie, Fez, I'm a little flabbergasted about the Dodgers, uh, but let's move ahead. I'm going to focus on football here. I'm stuttering like an idiot. Uh, Fez, we've talked a lot about teasers in recent weeks because their ever-increasing popularity is at an all-time high, and right out of the gate, you've got one you think the, the peeps should look at. Yeah, and let me summarize teasers for those who haven't listened to us before. It has to be a six-point NFL teaser, minus 120 or less. Ties have to reduce or, or push. Ties can't lose. Um, so you need to have a shot that is at minus 120. God couldn't beat a teaser at minus 130 in the long run. So provide you have that basic strategy is we want to tease through the corridor of three through seven. I'm going to explain there's only two candidates right now, which is good because we need two teams for a teaser. We're going to tease Green Bay down from seven half to one half. That's rock solid. And we're going to tease Jacksonville up from plus one half to plus seven half. That will be the second leg of our teaser. Bernie, there's four other games currently that people might think are basic strategy teasers because they're lined to two and a half. None of them really qualify, however. And remember, you do need two outcomes. You explained that well. I really like Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers coming off a straight-up favorite loss, 16-2. 
against the number at Lambeau Field when returning home. Now, let's go to the other side of the coin. There are some games you like not to tease. Yeah, so there's four games that look like they're lined at two and a half, and we like to tease two and a halves up to eight and a half, and there's nothing wrong with that. However, without boring everyone of the details, it's horrendous long-term if you tease a plus two and a half that winds up going to a three, and I think there's a good chance all four of these games could go to three. You know what? If you like these sides, just wait for the plus three and then bet the plus three, and those are the New Orleans Saints, currently plus two and a half, the New England Patriots. Patriots plus two and a half. We've got the uh, Arizona Cardinals laying two and a half. So Seattle plus two and a half. And finally, the Kansas City Chiefs plus two and a half. What makes all four of these plus two and a halves similar is that money is coming in on the favorite. So there's pressure towards three. It wouldn't surprise me if three of those four go to three by tomorrow. Kansas City, I don't know that I'd be afraid of. Patrick Mahomes 7-0 against the number as a dog. And as a home dog, well, this is going to be an epic game to watch. But I think, Fez, duly noted, you want to honor the math, you don't want to deviate. All right. Yes, and Bernie, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. You can still bet the Chiefs. That's fine. We'll just bet them plus three, which is way better than than putting them into a teaser. Remember, not only do we need to win the Kansas City part of the tease, we got to win the second leg as well. You you need two outcomes, and that's why it's not so easy, and you're going to pay – you're going to pay heavy tax. Typically, teasers are minus 130, minus 140. All right. Fez, there's a game out there lurking that's probably at six and a half, and you're saying, wait, let's get this thing to seven so we can allow the math to work for us. Who's the big yeah. reveal? Yeah, so the when we're looking at Dallas-Philly here, uh, that game has gone to six and a half everywhere. I tell you what, I'm, I'm leaning Cowboys, but there's no reason. It's Sunday night football. Philly is the only undefeated team in the NFL right now. The public is going to be on Philly. We're going to be patient. We're going to wait. And plus sevens are priced. And it's very similar to you buying a car. Bernie, when you buy a car, you walk in your dealership, you know what you're going to pay for that car? No, actually, I don't. Well, a lot of people like they they have a price in mind, and they're saying I'm not going past twenty six five. That is as much as I'm going to pay, and this is exactly what I want. Well, that's my, my price on Dallas. I want plus seven, minus one ten. Now, a lot of people are impulse buyers, and those impulse buyers are just going to buy a car they like, and they're going to buy Dallas at six and a half. At six and a half, it's no good. I need seven, Bernie. No, and that's why the idea behind this segment, the ideological purpose behind this whole vignette we've been doing now for three or four years is to give people good habits, which you do, Fez. There's an old saying, teach me to fish, give me a fish, I'll eat for today, teach me to fish, I'll bring the beer. No, actually, it's give me a fish, I'll eat for today, teach me to fish, I'll eat for a lifetime. What you're trying to do is give people information, usable information, so they can stack good decisions on top of each other and over the course of a season, not only enjoy this little thing we call sports betting, but hopefully make it profitable. All right, let's look to the 49ers. Interestingly enough, despite their injuries, you believe they're in a really good spot. Yeah, so the 49ers are, they played last week on the East Coast. They're staying at the Greenbrier. They've done this four times. That's right. In the past three years. They're 4-0 straight up, 4-0 against the spread. Three of the four wins were blowout wins. The only close game that, that win was a game against New Orleans when New Orleans was really good and the Niners were an underdog in that game. So they've done not just great against the spread and straight up, but their margin in those games is phenomenal. This team gels and comes together 
together like no other. Now the 49ers are injured, so money's been coming in on the Falcons because of the the adjustment for the injuries. You know what? I think that this line's getting over-adjusted. It's down to four at Circus Sports at minus four or less, and it's currently there at Circa. I am going to go ahead and lay it with the Niners. Says you bring up a really good points about strategically how the Niners have managed these road east situations. This is the seventh time they've done this now. Actually, Sunday's the eighth time, and in the previous seven, San Francisco's six and one against the spread, and they're far superior to Atlanta. I, I would I would it would not surprise me if the Niners come away with a double digit win on uh, on Sunday. All right, another game. Key uh, three is a key number, obviously. You're looking for a particular team to close three and why they are such a good bet at plus three. Yeah, because the Bengals were, you know, they were laying one, one and a half against the Saints. And all the money's been on Cincinnati. And I have to tell you that sometimes you've got wise guys on the side, and sometimes you've got copycat wise guys, and people just following the steam moves. And they're seeing this money on the Bengals, and they're jumping on board, and they're giving out the Bengals to their clients, and so all the followers are getting there. And no one's looking at the big picture here. With You know, Bernie, the Bengals just aren't very good on offense right now. They can't protect the quarterback. Their defense is fine, but this offense is underachieving, and until that new O-line pieces gel, the Bengals are just not a good enough team to be laying three against a contending team for the playoffs in the Saints. Saints at plus three, and it's going to get there tomorrow. Um, in fact, you can find the DraftKings right now. We'll lock it in. I'll make the Saints the best bet tomorrow here, plus three. It's a very sharp play. You've got another best bet you're going to give out in just a minute as well. I agree with you, Fez. Cincinnati's a little broken right now. They shouldn't be laying points on the road in what could be a daunting situation there in New Orleans. Coming up, we will hit our lightning round and go through some key NFL matchups for Sunday. But first, to what do we owe this pleasure? The great Dan Beyer joins us on Saturday night. Bernie, it is great to be with you. It's great to be in San Diego as well, but not for most of Saturday night because it looked like the Dodgers were cruising along getting a 3 nothing lead in the top of the seventh inning, but it turned out to be seventh heaven for the Padres. 2-2, two and two. here's the pitch. Cronenworth swings, lines it into center field. That's a base hit. Kim will score. Here comes Soto. The throw from Thompson kicks off the mound and down to second. Cronenworth, a two-run single, and the Padres in front. And it turned out to be on the Padres radio network, a five-run seventh inning. They beat the Dodgers 5-3 and win the National League Divisional Series three games to one. Padres going to the NLCS for the first time since 1998. They'll host the Phillies in game one coming up on Tuesday. Guardians scored three times in the ninth inning to get past the Yankees 6-5 to go up 2-1 in that best of five series. A three-run ninth inning, as I mentioned, with game four later on. Sunday, 7.07 Eastern Time. And in 18 innings, Astros blanked the Mariners 1-0, sweeping that three-game, or that series in three games. Jeremy Pena solo home run in the 18th as the Astros are on to their sixth straight ALCS appearance. College football, number 20 Utah knocks off seventh-ranked USC from the Unbeatens winning in Salt Lake City 43-42. Fourth-ranked Clemson wins at Florida State 38-24. While in the SEC, number six Tennessee takes out number three Alabama 52-49 while 22nd-ranked Kentucky was a winner against 16th-ranked Mississippi State 27-7. Game that just went final. Fresno State top San Jose State 17-10. Nevada and Hawaii playing right now. Start of the fourth quarter. 
Hawaii up 21 to 16 in that one. And finally, Bernie, multiple reports say the Panthers have received calls from several teams about the services of Christian McCaffrey. Panthers have the Rams on Sunday. Back to you. Saw that. By the way, good stuff, Dan. The Guardians. You know, Dan, the Guardians have never lost a postseason series. <laughs> Work with me, my man. I like Just trying to keep up with you. By the I way, like while, while I've got you, let's take advantage of this. As you know, you're a learned man. Uh, Dodgers 76-13 and 13 this year when they scored first. Won 111 games this year. Tenth time they've done it. North of 100 during the regular season, but never won a World Series. But given what Dave Roberts said on March 24th to Dan Patrick and all the expectations on a scale of 1 to 10, how shocked are you by tonight's result? Or perhaps did you think this is somewhat preordained? I, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm at a 9 on it, honestly, because I didn't know if the Padres had it. And I just figured that the Dodger, Dodgers would figure things out. Heck, even after last night's uh, Game 3 winner on Friday night, figured, uh, well, Dodgers are going to even it up, and then they'll come back and win the series in L.A. And that didn't happen. Um, I know that the Dodgers, you know, you don't have Walker Bueller. There's some other things happening. But I just did not think that it would be this quick of an uh, exit. So, I'm putting it as a nine right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. Thanks so much, Dan. We'll talk to you a little bit there, Fal, uh, buddy. Bueller. Bueller. All right. Back to Fezzik and the Fezzik Five. Fez, uh, I want to start. I want to go a little backwards because earlier we talked about another best bet, but you're really good at this stuff. This is more of a season best bet. You just heard Dan talk about the Carolina Panthers, and I heard the same report that people are calling about Christian McCaffrey. And that may be a teaser as to a season-long win total best bet you're going to get the folks right now. I am, but first, and the great Dan Byer, so nice to have him on the show. Uh, talking baseball, there's five great teams in baseball. Well, Bernie, the Yankees look like they're in deep trouble. The three great teams in the National League are all gone. Um, the Braves, the, you know, the Dodgers, and the Mets. And the one great team that's left, the Astros, everyone hates. So baseball, not a good postseason for them. If I was MLB, I would call the umpires. Oh, come on. Why all the foul language? We're going to get some hydro. I'm a baseball man. I would I would get send a memo and give the Yankees every call known to man to make sure that the Yankees get into the World Series. But that's just me. Um, not saying there's a conspiracy or anything. Let's go to Carolina. Bernie, Carolina's won one game this year. How many games is Carolina going to win this year? Well, Fez, I, I, if they win four more games, uh, I will. Uh, I can't think of anything clever right now, but I don't think it's going to happen. My, my, and oftentimes we hear Vegas. Oh, Vegas is so sharp. They're so on top of it. They know more than the players. Well, this is a case where the public and everyone else knows more than the bookmakers because the bookmakers have set the Carolina Panthers over under at five and a half, and it's just wrong. It's just a bad number. Panthers are a dead team. They're rated last in my power ratings right now with P.J. Walker, quarterback. And believe me, it's not like they're about to get a big upgrade with uh, Baker Mayfield injured and, um, and um, oh, my gosh, um, um, the uh, the Jets quarterback and the waiting in the wings as well. I mean, they're just I, Sam Darnold. I, you know, I can't remember his name. He's so bad. Um, they are a dumpster fire. Ziffle for crying out loud. It doesn't matter. They're all terrible. They, Carolina's going to win three or four games this year. They're already in tank mode where they're, they're shopping McCaffrey, and that's not the only guy that they're going to be shopping. It would be like an epic run for them to get to six wins, but the bookmakers are pricing this team like they were as good as they were to start the year and expecting them to win at the rate that they were expected to win back 
in September 1st, well, it's a totally different team. So you see where I'm going. I'm going to go under five and a half wins. Carolina Panthers, minus 150 is the current big. That's available. DraftKings, that's available. William Hill, Hill here in Nevada. And frankly, I think it's an 80% bet. I, yeah, I, no, can't, see, I, I can't see how it loses. And then they, they, just, they just fired Matt Rule, and it's a dumpster fire there. All right, I want to jump to the Sunday night game, Philadelphia and Dallas. I, I'm still not buying the Cowboys. I'll explain it later in the show, although I give top credit to Dan Quinn in that defense. But every year, Jerry, the 80-year-old Jerry Jones, you know, if I had a nickel for every time Jerry told me this might be the year, Elon Musk would be mowing my lawn. I think Philadelphia wins by double digits Sunday. Your thoughts? Did we lose Fez? Okay, see if we can get it back, Chris. I have significant thoughts about that Philadelphia-Dallas game, but I would just say this. Dallas in their defense has sustained, but it's not sustainable because they can't hold a team up when you've got a situation and there's virtually there's not there's just enough offense with Cooper Rush, but they're running into a situation now where they're facing a juggernaut in Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts. And so I would just say this. I think the Dallas dream is going to start come crashing down. I still think they're going under 10 and a half wins. Another game I really like on Sunday. I like all right, Fez, we got you back. Long and the short of his comment on Philly, Dallas. I like Philly. Well, I, I like Dallas at seven, at six and a half. It's you know where I would make it. I might be biased on this game, and here's why, Bernie. I have bet the Eagles in games of the year like five times on this game. I bet the Eagles plus two. I, I excuse me. I bet the Eagles pick minus one, minus two, and minus three. So now that I'm staring at six and a half, and I've got like my cupboard full of Eagles at minus three or less, I think it's just been an overreaction. I mean, what has Dallas done to justify this line move going all the way up? Did we lose Fez again? All right. Try try to get it back one more time. I want to talk about the Pittsburgh-Tampa Bay game. Anytime you give me Pittsburgh and points at home, I'm all over that like a a hobo on a ham sandwich. The last time Pittsburgh was catching nine at home was against the Vikings a few years back. They won outright 27-14. to There have been multiple times. This is a classic bounce-back situation for the Steelers. Buy low, sell high, Tampa Bay laying a ton of points on the road here. And I would say this, Pittsburgh over the last 20 years has home dogs 17-3 and against the spread. I'm not saying Pittsburgh's going to win the game outright, but what I am saying is I think they're going to actually hang around and surprise some people. Fez, I just told the folks I love Pittsburgh plus nine. Sunday, your thoughts? It's going to 10. With all the Pittsburgh injuries, it's already at 10. 10 is the buy price. At 10, I fully endorse it. I, too, will bet Pittsburgh at plus 10. Don't you dare bet a plus 9.5 on a game that's going to go to 10, though, Bernie. I may have already fired on it earlier in the week, but that doesn't mean I can't take another bite of the apple if it gets to 10. I think Pittsburgh keeps this inside a single-score game. All right, another game I'm looking at. I got a lot of respect for what the Jets are doing in Robert Sala, but this is a classic situation where Aaron Rodgers... The following week, after being a favorite and losing outright 16-2 and against the number at Lambeau, I think Green Bay handles the Jets by double digits. Your thoughts? Yep, but I'm just going to be safe and tease it, so all they have to do is win the game. Yep. All right. Kansas City-Buffalo, the biggest game on the board. Patrick Mahomes, 7-0, is a dog in his career. He's getting points at home. This is going to be epic. I'm afraid of this game. I might... I might play half a unit on the over, but I don't want to touch the game. Your thoughts? 
waiting for the three, which I do think is going to appear. Patrick Mahomes is an underdog. It's been absolute money. An- another example of a game, and I'm, you know, people are going to be like, realize I'm a difficult guy to work with. Like, if you were with my betting syndicate and you showed me a ticket, Kansas City plus two and a half, I'd be like, you're fired. You have no idea what you're doing. And you would say, but you just said you like Kansas City in the game. Yes, but I also like getting the best of the number. And with all the um, talk about revenge and the Bills being the better team, and this is their chance to exercise the demons, this baby is going to go to three. Now, it may come back to two and a half. As soon as you see a plus three in this game, and you will see it tomorrow morning, you lock in the Chiefs plus three minus ten. All right, let's jump to New York where the Giants face Baltimore. That Baltimore pass defense is one of the worst I've seen. They couldn't stop a nosebleed. I actually think this game's close. Your thoughts? You know, there's a lot of wise guys on Baltimore, and it surprises me because I was leaning Giants. And at some point, you know, when you talk to enough people that you respect that are on the other side, you just say that there's plenty of other investment opportunities. Because of that, I'm going to respect the other people here who like Baltimore. For whatever reason, Giants coming back from London off the upset, I'm going to pass the game. All right, final game on the board, Fez. Monday night, uh, a a divisional tilt. Denver will host your Los Angeles Chargers. Again, a game I'm not going to be involved in, but I'll watch. Who are the Chargers to be laying four and a half? The wise guys have been betting Denver. I get it. Russell Wilson's looked terrible. It's a first-ranked offense. You know, he had no uh, preseason. He, um, because of that, there's been no uh, continuity with his receivers. The bottom line is uh, the Chargers have no home field advantage, and I refuse to believe the Chargers, who have struggled themselves, are four and a half points better than the Denver Broncos. I like the underdog. Yeah, I kind of would lean that way, but you're really going to have to hold your nose for whatever reason. The Chargers can never seem to... And I like the Chargers. They're loaded with talent, and I really like Justin Herbert. But they can't stand prosperity. The last 15 times they have scored 30-plus points the, the, the week prior. They're 2-13 and 13 against the spread the following week. So I think you might be sharp on that play. Faz, any final thoughts? And tell everybody where they can find your work. At Fezzik Sports, and I might emphasize again, why do we talk so much about teasers? Why do we talk about you know season win bets, derivative bets, prop bets, because they're more beatable? I'll throw a prop bet out there. Uh, Josh Allen, Buffalo, rush yards over 47.5 because Buffalo needs this game like blood, and it's, it's such a huge revenge game. I expect Josh Allen's going to run the ball 10 times, do everything he can to win the game. Josh Allen over 47 rush yards against Kansas City. Fez, great stuff. Gets your beauty rest, and uh, thank God you don't have to get up for a 6.30 London game. Bernie, I will be asleep in five minutes. Good night. (laughs) Hey, a couple quickies, uh, folks. Jets, Packers, I want people to know this. Jets, first time they're over 500 since 2018. They're 3-2. Jason Smith, I hope you're listening, buddy. Team since 1990 that start out 3-2. They have a 49.1% chance of making the playoffs. I mean that. They are going up against the Packers' fifth-ranked defense, only allowing 300 yards per game. I think it'll be a good game. I like what the Jets are doing. 49ers-Falcons, that San Francisco defense is real. They've got 13 sacks in the last two weeks. Meanwhile, Atlanta, they've rushed for 150-plus yards for their last five games. They're plucky, but I think they're running into a steam wall against the 49ers Sunday. Finally, Fez just talked about the Broncos-Chargers. That Denver offense, they couldn't score with a fistful of 50s in a house of ill repute, averaging 15 points a game, 31st in the NFL. Meanwhile, the Chargers, the fifth-ranked offense at just under 400 yards 
per game. Coming up, top of the hour, we dive heavy into the NFL. But in just a second, 34 years ago tonight, one of the most epic events in the history of Los Angeles sports. Let's take a minute to relive it. I'm not saying it's going to ease the pain, but you never know. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the TireAct.com studios here in Las Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Keep it locked. You're listening to The Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The following is a high-five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Back on the Bernie Frato Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. Top of the hour, we dive heavy into the NFL. We're only through week five, and what a long, strange trip it's been there, Buffalo Springfield. I will tell you, there's been some weirdness. There'll probably be some future weirdness, but we'll take a quick look back at what led us to this point, and we'll start to look ahead. High drama baseball, man. You got to love this. Raise your hand or beep your horn if you said you knew when the Phillies were 14 games back and they fired their manager, they would not only get to the playoffs, but they would knock off the defending World Series champions. And Phillies doing it in fine fettle. They look scary, they look dangerous. And I didn't, you know, did you really think they'd be making a trip to San Diego? That's the beauty of this. The Padres at one time were 22 games behind the Dodgers. The Dodgers beat them 14 out of 19 times during the regular season. The Dodgers alone, 111 wins during the regular season. And I'd mentioned this before ad nauseum that the previous 10 times where the Dodgers had won north of 100 games in the regular season, they didn't win the World Series. Man, it, I was, whew. I, when they got up tonight, I was marked my spot in the couch for tomorrow, but it didn't happen. 34 years ago tonight, I was there, sort of. I left in the bottom of the ninth when Dennis Eckersley was taking the mound. Hell, I had a bet in my pocket. They're leading 4-3. to three. Eck had only work, walked 13 guys all year. He hadn't given up a home run since August 24th. He throws a backdoor slider to Kirk Gibson. But even leading up to that, remember, Eckersley, he got Mike Sosha to pop out. He got Jeff Hamilton to strike out. It was 3-2. Well, actually, he walked Mike Davis, and that's when I started to feel bad. I'm in the parking lot, and I had that eerie feeling like I had a, a lit you know, firecracker up the tuchus with a gosh darn fuse half the way down, and I was very, very concerned something bad was about to happen, and it didn't. It did. The backdoor slider, Gibby reaches out over the plate, hits the ball, you know, in a season that's featured the improbable, we've just witnessed the impossible. Even Jack Buck said, but I didn't hear that call. I listened to Scully. I don't believe what I just saw. Well, I didn't see it because I was in my car, but at least the solace where I get to hear one of the most iconic calls of all time while I was there in the stadium parking lot. By the way, not for nothing, my good buddy Larry Sorensen 
We just talked the other day. His good friend Bruce Suter, rest his soul. Bruce Suter got his very first save in a game Larry pitched. Larry and I talked about the Eckersley thing many times. He was friends with Dennis for the next five years on his answering machine. If you called Dennis Eckersley's house, five years, it would answer this way. Where was that pitch? Where was that pitch? I mean, it was a backdoor slider. You couldn't hit it with a canoe paddle. Became one of the most iconic home runs in all history. I know it's not much solace tonight because the Dodgers are hoping to be playing a lot more baseball well into October. But as Dave G, uh, Bart Giamatti once said, yes, the games, they are designed to break your heart. Coming up, we'll take a quick look at this last week in the NFL, and we'll look ahead. Keep it locked right here. I'm Bernie Fratto, and this is the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Well, you heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right, it's already been a wacky five weeks in the NFL, especially this past week. That Monday Night Raider game left a lot of folks scratching their heads as now the Raiders are 1-4. and four. And yes, there's still hope, Pee-wee. History and data tell us the Raiders still have a 17% chance of making the playoffs, a 4% chance of winning their division, and yes, even a 1% chance of winning the Super Bowl. Okay, sure. But the Raiders managed to make history Monday night in their loss. Why? The Okay, it was 30-29. to 29, I'm sure you remember, Chiefs, Raiders. The first time, this is the first time in history, in the history of the National Football League, a team lost a game when they had a 150-yard rusher, that would be Josh Jacobs, a 100-yard receiver, that would be Devontae Adams, zero turnovers, and they only punted once. And the Raiders still managed to lose then thursday night rolled around i know folks complain about thursday night because that's just what we do i guess but we're watching we're watching and matter of fact there are typically over 300 prop bets 300 ways to bet on thursday night games but for two straight weeks now the thursday night football winner has scored wait for it 12 points in each of the last two weeks, it only took 12 points to win those two games. Now, I know the arguments will resume as to whether or not we should have Thursday games. Well, according to Amazon, we should. And I think, yeah, we should. Okay. Now, I'm not going to get off on this rant tonight. What I think we need to do is recalibrate the schedule and add a second bye weekend. So teams who play a Thursday night game only do it coming off a bye. They're problem solved. And you extend the season in the NFL by a week or two. Who's not going to like that? Without having to play extra games, you just manage the time better. But I get it. In more than 102 minutes of Thursday night football action last two weeks, we saw the following. 41 drives, 20 punts, 8 field goals, and 5 turnovers. We got two whole touchdowns in Washington's 12-7 victory over the Bears the other night. And, you know, I always get a kick out of the uniforms. They look like uh, ice cream salesman uniforms. But it's all part of the, it's all part of the romanticized, uh, you know, excitement, right? It's all, it's all part of the drama, I guess, as it were. What uniforms are, are they going to wear? Uh, it's all part of the charm. Now, I would say this was a game noted more for missed opportunities, uh, you know, 
passes dropped, field goals missed, you name it. And even Al Michaels looks a little for Clemp now. And Ron Rivera was enraged after the game, and now both teams are 2-4, and four, onward and upward. By the way, the Raiders, again, four losses by a total of 14 points. That's brutal. Maybe they're just not that good. Okay, I talked about the Pythagorean theorem before the season started. And yes, they were 10-7 and seven last year, but they gave up 65 more points than they scored. And that equates to about a 7-win team, not a 10-win team. We'll get that a little bit later. And then I didn't even mention the, uh, you know, the Devontae Adams shoving the cameraman and sitting on his way to the locker room. My moles are telling me he's probably not going to be suspended. He'll be fine, but uh, we'll maybe beat that up a little bit later on the show. Let's let's look ahead at this point to what's happening because now we've got, you know, the, really what's interesting is the storyline forming is the – you can't really call it the NFC least anymore, can you? And I don't know if you call it the NFC beast, but you've got three teams, the the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. They're all 4-1 and one or better. Philadelphia, in fact, is – is the only team in the entire league that remains undefeated. And what's interesting is the Eagles host the Cowboys Sunday night, and this is really a battle for first place in the NFC East. It, it, it's You might not have thought that was going to happen. Uh, and by the way, I, I told folks, every year, uh, or at least 17 of the last 19 years, someone has gone from worst to first in the National Football League. Matter of fact, in 2018, two teams did it. The Bears were one of them. You've forgotten with Mitch Trubisky. They went 12-4, and four, and if it hadn't been for the Cody Parkey double doink, they would have even won a, a playoff game. But I digress. So somebody's going to go worst to first. Maybe it's Baltimore. You could have got them at 2-1. to one. The Giants, I thought, were worth a flyer. I told Arnie, 8-1. to one. Why? The Brian Dable factor. No team has repeated in the NFC East since 2004. Their defense was serviceable. You add you add Kayvon Thibodeau, Saquon Barkley. Uh, look, it's and by the way, their schedule is very favorable. The Giants, they actually could find ten wins without having a single team that made the playoffs last year. None of those teams were better than sixty to one to make the Super Bowl. But the rubber hits the road Sunday night. Okay, the Eagles are five and zero. The Cowboys are four and one. It's basically a battle for the division. I love Jalen Hurts. It's incredible. Six rushing touchdowns. He's tied for the lead with with some running backs. And by the way, I think Jalen Hurts is quickly playing himself in this very serious MVP consideration. The Eagles are not only doing it on offense, they're doing it on defense. And, and Jalen Hurts is managing things well because the Eagles lead the National Football League in turnover margin. They're currently plus nine. So the Eagles can beat you lots of different ways. Now, Dallas has won four in a row since Dak Prescott suffered the thumb issue in the opening game. And I give top credit to Cooper Rush. But it's really Dallas's defense and their pass rush. Give it up to Dan Quinn. They play downhill. They get after it. They make, you, they make your degree of difficulty in your life very hard with everything you do. And I would say, you know, a lot of folks thought heading into a Sunday night's game that Dak Prescott could return. He's not going to. At this point, I, I think they're just fine with Cooper Rush. But really, that's not sustainable because you can't win 10, 11, 12 games in the NFL with just defense. Eventually, your offense is going to have to steal a game or two or four for you. We'll see what happens uh, Sunday night. I think Dallas has met their match. I still think they're going under 10 and a half wins. All right, I was a little bit late to the party. I'm not a Vikings fan. I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan. But the Packers come into the season as heavy favorites in the NFC North. Unfortunately, it may be time to rethink that, although I'm not going to jump to too many conclusions, but let's just call them as we see them. 
Minnesota beat the Bears last week, so they're now 4-1. and one, And actually, they've been the most consistent team in the division. You've got to give Kevin O'Connell a lot of credit. Their first-year coach, he, can't, he comes over from the Rams as their offensive coordinator last year. What he has done is created schemes to let his playmakers make plays in space. He's brilliant at that. And when you look at, at last Sunday's game against the Bears, Kirk Cousins threw 41 passes. Not a single one had to be thrown into a tight window because his guys get open. And for Cousins at one point completed 17 consecutive attempts to start the game. So it's not like last year with Mike Zimmer. You know, Mike Zimmer's teams played just well enough to lose. They would get to the end and someone would miss a field goal or something goofy would happen. It's just almost like the guy was cursed. He'd stroll up and down the sidelines with that look on his face like he just smelled a bad fart. Just wasn't good. So I think Kevin O'Connell's been good. Minnesota's been a model of efficiency. By the way, last week they were 12 with 15 on third downs. And on all four of their red zone trips, they managed to come away with points. Now, what's interesting, Minnesota's lone loss this season was in week two against the Eagles, who again, again, they're the only team remaining that's undefeated in the National Football League. But here's the key. Minnesota's 3-0 in their division. That matters. And we've already forgotten. They beat the Packers in week one. So Minnesota does have a leg up in the NFC North race. Can they continue it? Can they keep it up? I don't know. Because Kirk Cousins is good when it doesn't matter. But when it starts to matter and the heat gets hot and it's hard to breathe, I'm not sure if they can keep it up. All right. The, The... Tennessee Titans, again, this is why this has been such an idiosyncratic year. They were the number one seed in the AFC last year. They had a huge slump to start the season. Well, not huge, but they dropped their first two games. Now, all of a sudden, Tennessee's won three in a row. And the way the other teams in the AFC South have struggled, the Titans, even though they're three and two, they may be very well in position to win the division. And, you know, all, all of a sudden now, they're starting to run the ball well again. They couldn't get 100 rushing yards in the first two games, but in the last three, they've run for over 350. So Mike Vrabel, I think, is is one of the only guys who's ever – he's not really technically part of the Belichick coaching tree. But I like the way the man does business, and he, he his teams always manage to end up being – competitive and they're starting to get their red zone issues fixed. Derrick Henry was averaging just a little over three yards a carry in the first two games. Now he's back almost to four and a half, almost five yards a carry. All right, Brian Dable and the New York Giants. Could it be, could it be a new era for the New York Giants? This is pretty impressive last week in the the game in London. They battled back from a two-touchdown deficit in the second quarter Uh, The Giants, this is the Giants we're talking about now. They score 17 unanswered points to open up the second half, to hold off the Packers. They beat the Packers 27-22 in London. They were an underdog that day, of course. They went outright. Don't look now. The Giants are 4-1. They already matched their win total from last season. And they've proved that, you know, they have a roster that's not exactly bursting with star talent, not exactly bursting with depth. They've proven that they can be very competitive. Why? Because the Brian Babel influence on game day is mattering. It's not just that he helped Josh Allen become the quarterback he was. And he's helping Daniel Jones overcome his, you know, his peccadillos. But it's on game day where I believe Brian Babel has the most uh, influence. He's mandated, uh, you know, an aura of physicality in New York. Look at their culture. They're back, well, they're not like they used to be, you know, the Lawrence Taylor days, but Saquon Barkley 
He is now anchoring the offense if he could just stay healthy. And by the way, not for nothing, New York is the top rushing outfit in the National Football League. Meanwhile, on, on defense, the Giants, they are limiting explosive plays. They've clamped down on key situations. Opponents are only converting third downs 29% of the time against the New York Giants. That's huge. They're only allowing teams to score 35% of the times they get into the red zone. Also huge. That's second best in the league. So the 4-1 and one record is not a fluke. The question is, can they keep it going from here? That's what we need to find out, and maybe you get a little bit of a glimpse Sunday night when they tee it up against Dallas. Those are your thumbs-up stories this week. How about some thumbs-down? We're going to get to that in just a second. The play calling in Cincinnati, it's causing you to scratch their heads. All right. Is Cliff Kingsbury finally officially uh, on the hot seat, meaning he really should be worrying about his job? By the way, is it rock bottom in Detroit? Well, that's what the coach told us. And let's, you know, let's cancel that Jaguars to the Super Bowl thing for just a second. We're going to get to all that in just a minute. So stick with us. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com, Las Vegas, Fox Sports Radio Studios. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The following is a high-five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Back at the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Coming up after Dan Byers' update at the bottom of the hour, my two ascents on the whole NFL concussion officiating saga and how we get to this point where things are so clunky you can't tell a roughing the passer from a Dancing with the Stars episode. All right, some thumbs-down stuff here. Uh, you know, these guys are paid millions of dollars to make decisions in the heat of battle. And the play calling in Cincinnati last Sunday night, if, 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 if and it's a big if, the Bengals lose out on making the playoffs by one game. They're going to lament that wasted opportunity last Sunday night in their loss against Baltimore. Big turning point. The final drive of the third quarter, Joe Burrow marched the ball down to the two-yard line, but rather than trust the playmakers to do what they do best, I don't know what Zach Taylor, their head coach Zach Taylor, was thinking. He calls a fourth-down shovel pass that was intended for the receiver Stanley Morgan Jr., who has a grand total of five receptions in just about four NFL seasons. The play breaks down, a right tackle for the Bengals, self-destructs. Two downs before that was a double reverse, Baltimore red, Cornerback Marcus Peters blows it up for a loss of 12. 
you're making these calls that that really are become self-inflicted wounds. And what's interesting is Cincinnati is the only defense in the NFL that has not allowed a touchdown in the second half. So when you leave points on the board because you get cute, all you do is continue to put undue pressure on your defense. You got to be better than that. I I know it's easy, real easy to you know coach the team from my man cave here in Las Vegas, but come on, I covered the Lions for ten years, pre and post game show ninety eight to two thousand eight. I, I tell people I saw it all. I saw Barry Sanders last year, and in two thousand eight I saw Rod Marinelli's zero sixteen team. I saw it all. All right. And it's you start to earn the right to at least inquire about what are the factors you consider in making these decisions when sometimes just common sense and logic tells you that you're playing with fire. All right, speaking of playing with fire, is it time for Cardinals coach, uh, head coach Cliff Kingsbury? Hey, that's like a little tongue twister. Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury. How about that? Should he finally really be worrying about his job? So Arizona loses to the Eagles. Again, more late mismanagement. Now, the uh, Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, are only two and three. And I think you can put this on fairly poor coaching. And we all know that Cliff Kingsbury has shown a stock and trade to collapse in the second half of the season. But they're wasting no time this year. We're just getting into October, and they're already starting their collapse, right? And they get off the slow starts, and then they fade. The Cardinals, they've yet to score a, a point in the first quarter of the season. By the way, my buddy Billy Crackman, uh, he did his best bet last week, and he was all over it, and I, I would, I'd already got on it. Eagles minus three in the first half against Arizona last week, and it cashed. Yeah, it got a little dicey late. But Arizona has actually gone five straight first quarters without a single point this season. And they've lost eight straight at home, Arizona has, going back to last season. This is just weird, man. Arizona ranks dead last in the NFL in passing yards per attempt at just over five and a half yards. That's unheard of in the NFL. When you're having that happen, that could mean your quarterback is just not keeping his eyes downfield or you're just not designing plays. And I... I I like Kyler Murray. I think he can play. So believe it or not, the Cliff Kingsbury era in Arizona now spans 54 games. He's 26, 27, and 1 with a tie coming against against the Lions in their very first ever game that Cliff Kingsbury played or coached, and, and same with uh, Kyler Murray. They drove the ball all the way down to the one-yard line. They ran, ran, ran. He attempts three passes. Oh, I was just crazy. But I, I was told at least, uh, you know, that uh, by people I think are smart, that Cliff Kingsbury is an offensive-minded coach. And so I know it doesn't help that DeAndre Hopkins hasn't been available. That's certainly affected Arizona's offense. But there's no excuse for Cliff Kingsbury in these games and in his fourth season to have this odd, weird lack of sense of urgency, lack of execution, self-inflicted wounds, errors, misusing timeouts, miscommunication with staff and players. It's its kind of stacking up on itself. Um, look, it's a long season. There's a long way to go. But it seems like every year it's a rite of passage. People are asking about uh, Cliff Kingsbury and whether or not he's long for this world. I don't know. We're going we're gonna to see. That, he's got his fate in his hands. I'll just leave it there. 
Now, Dan Campbell, who I like a lot, but again, I'm starting to call into question his game management, his usage of timeouts, when to go for it on fourth down and when not. He said it himself. He said, we've hit lock bottom, rock bottom. And I'm not talking about the character in Felix the Cat. After the getting shut out by the Patriots, which I understand Moles are telling me, Matt Patricia, it was his revenge game. Revenge for what, Matt? You stunk it up in Detroit. You shouldn't have even cashed your checks. You're an absolute disaster. You look like a drunk crossing an icy street with that team. He says, quote, Dan Campbell says, quote, I believe we hit rock bottom. Well, he's not wrong. And Dan Campbell really continues to take sort of these reckless approaches. You go into Foxborough, which is a notoriously tough place to play. There's no question he's looking across the sideline as the greatest coach in the National Football League. I can't give Belichick the greatest coach of all time. I've always said that's Scotty Bowman. Scotty Bowman not only won nine Stanley Cups, he won with three different teams in three different eras. In the Detroit, he did it with three different goalies, but I digress. So Bill Belichick, I think, is the greatest NFL coach of all time. But you're looking across the sideline at him, and New England starts their third-string quarterback, Bailey Zappi, who I like a lot. I like him a lot. He could play. And yet, Campbell okays a game plan that basically takes his own top-scoring offense leading into Sunday, and he dials up rushes on 13 of Detroit's first 18 plays. Why? Jared Goff's having a pretty good year. The Lions got some, some weapons. What? Why? Why? I'm just asking, why would you do that? Now, I get it. Detroit has dealt with injuries at receiver. But Dan Campbell then compounds that by not just, you know, using calculations that lead to over-aggressiveness. He unintentionally sabotages his defense by going for it on six fourth downs. By the way, you get three guesses on how many of those fourth downs Dan Campbell converted against Bill Belichick's defense. Close your eyes, you're looking at them. Zero. Didn't convert on a single fourth down. Went for six of them. Detroit averages 3.6 yards you know, a play, and, and that doesn't win in the National Football League. And so, and by the way, if you really want to have more fun with numbers, the six fourth downs that Dan Campbell and the Lions went for in Foxborough against Bill Belichick, who also may be the greatest defensive coordinator of all time. Remember, Bill Parcells never won a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick by his side. Those six fourth down plays netted a combined minus 14 yards, including a strip sack that was returned for a score. And how was your day? I'm not making fun of Dan Campbell, but this is not what they signed up for. Uh, this, this was not a good look. Finally, the Jaguars... Just two weeks ago, they were 2-1. and one. They were actually in first place of the AFC South. They looked like a team that could blossom into a surprise contender. I never said that, but a lot of people did. The group think echo chamber, but I was still respecting that Jacksonville was competitive. Trevor Lawrence getting the ball out of his hand. He had a 6-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio. But since then, well, reality has come back to bite them. The Jags have dropped two in a row. They lost to the Eagles and the Texans. They had a lead-leading turnover margin of plus three after week three. Following Sunday, it's now plus one. So they've turned the ball over six times in the last two weeks. That's not good. They're they're figuring out Trevor Lawrence, and you're finding out in the National Football League, this ain't so easy, although I do think it's looking up from last year. Coming up, my two ascents. How in the hell did we get here where the product on the field at times can look so clunky. But first, let's go back to our guy, the great Dan Byer. 
Bernie, I think the Dodgers are asking themselves that same exact question. How did they get here? The Dodgers season is done, thanks in part to the San Diego Padres. 0-2, swing and a miss! Freeman went after a slider in the dirt, and the ball game is over! The series is over! They defeat the Dodgers in four games to advance to the National League Championship Series. On the Padres radio network, it wasn't in part. It was the Padres doing the whole deal with five runs in the seventh inning to win Saturday's game 5-3. Padres now advance to the NLCS where they will host game one against the Phillies on Tuesday after the Phillies dropped Atlanta on Saturday in their game 4-8-3. In the American League, it took six hours and 22 minutes, but the Astros finally topped the Mariners 1-0 in 18 innings. The fourth postseason game in Major League Baseball history to go at least 18 innings of the first ever to go scoreless through the first 17. Jeremy Pena, the hero for the Astros, solo home run in the 18th. Houston's on to their sixth straight ALCS. Guardians have taken a 2-1 lead on the Yankees in their divisional series, winning 6-5. Cleveland had a three-run ninth inning to get the win. Game four later on today, 7:07 Eastern time. By the way, the Astros sweep means the Cardinals-Seahawks game Coming up in week six today, we'll start at 4.05 Eastern time as scheduled. In college football, number six, Tennessee, knocks off third-ranked Alabama. Vols stay unbeaten with a 52-49 win. Alabama, 17 penalties in that game. Number 20, Utah, winner against seventh-ranked USC, 43-42, as the Trojans are no longer unbeaten. In fact, only nine unbeaten teams remain in the FBS. Following losses today by Alabama, USC, Oklahoma State lost in double overtime to TCU, 43-40. You talked about it earlier, Bertie. Penn State getting run over by Michigan. James Madison and Coastal Carolina also being dealt losses. Some late football. Hawaii top Nevada, 31-16. And Fresno State, a 17-10 winner against San Jose State. And a couple of NFL notes. Colts without Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines both ruled out against the Jaguars. Cowboys should have CeeDee Lamb against the Eagles on Sunday night. Kyle Pitts expected to go for the Falcons against the Niners. And Patriots it's wide receiver Jacoby Myers expected to play in Cleveland. Bernie, back to you. So, Dan, you mentioned the Yankees and Guardians. The Yankees are a prohibitive favorite Sunday, minus 174. But I saw a number earlier in the history of the New York Yankees during the postseason when they lead by two runs or more in the ninth. 167 and old until today. Would it surprise <laughs> you if Cleveland completes the trifecta tomorrow? Uh, not after what I saw on Saturday. Nothing would surprise me from, so from what we've seen. I mean, it, it, a lot of people don't believe in momentum. I am one that, that does. I think that this carries over. I think Cleveland's got something. And if you're the Yankees, you got to think of, we didn't get game two. Now this happens in game three. You know, can they turn it around to game four? I think that there are serious question marks in their brain. Thanks so much, Dan. Always Thanks, a pleasure. Bernie. And uh, I, I agree with Dan. I, I believe in momentum as well because so much of high-level performance in sports is predicated on what takes place between the years, how people respond to pressure, and how folks often uh, 
fear can take over and fear is nothing more than holding mental thoughts of what you don't want to happen when you have momentum you expect good things to happen you know the old Deion Sanders thing you look good you feel good you feel good you play good you play good they pay good but if you are thinking good thoughts between your ears don't think for a minute that doesn't matter and that's all part of momentum so I do agree with Dan all right this whole situation on the NFL are we gonna have any more goofiness tomorrow uh depending on quarterbacks being sacked and roughing the passer you know, I'll draw an analogy uh, because we're trying to figure out how we got here. And I will tell you how we got here. Work with me. So you may have heard of Willie Nelson. Years ago, Willie got into some hot water with the IRS, and they started to seize his property and take some of his assets. But Willie wanted to keep his golf course. That was his prized possession, and somehow he was able to negotiate that. And he granted an interview with a reporter, and they sat on Willie's back deck, and they looked at the 18th hole of Willie's golf course. And the reporter said, Willie, what's so special about this golf course? Why did you want to keep that? He goes, you know, the best thing about owning your own golf course, you get to decide par. See that? 18th finishing hole there it's a par 14 and yesterday i birdied it that's the beauty of owning your own golf course it's kind of like the national football league they kind of make their own rules make their own par come and go as they say and we're all going along for the ride we're hooked they own a day of the week you could earn you could argue they own two days of the week and with the advent of sports betting it's even more fervent and see, when it comes to protecting and fostering the image that the NFL, that they really do care greatly about player safety, well, they always will overreact. See, hold that thought. Because how did we get here? How could we be so confused about what's roughing the passer and what's not? You know, I, I never played football past high school, but we did a lot of tackling drills in high school, and our coaches taught us the ideological purpose of tackling is to just stop forward progress. You don't need to take the guy's head off. You don't need to get a penalty. You don't need to kill the guy, strip the ball. Just stop forward progress. But then sensational tackles in the National Football League became a thing. I, I know Dan remembers this. Remember on ESPN, they had a Monday Night Football halftime feature called Jacked Up. Jacked Up was a feature. It was a segment during the halftime show of Monday Night Football. And what it did... It basically recapped what the crew subjectively thought were the most violent tackles, the most violent blows, blows to the head, blows to the body during the preceding week of football. They had video montage. And what would happen, this, this segment would show various highlights of players not only delivering but receiving blows, which many times injured players the result were legitimate injuries, and they would show these plays from various angles and multiple speeds and, uh, you know, all, all sorts of, you know, production behind it. And then the commentators were giddy. They'd be making sort of these celebratory remarks. They'd be making jokes about these guys just lighting each other up. And here's the key. After every highlight, it would end with the announcer deciding and describing which particular player and these collisions took the worst of the impact and they were characterized as, quote, being jacked up. Bet you can probably find it on YouTube. We all watched it. Here's the thing. As a society, we've always been fatuated with gladiator sports. This is the beginning of time. And so that's part of the reason this highlight vignette jacked up on ESPN Monday Night Football was so popular. But it's all fun and games until somebody loses an eye. In 2012, the NFL had a consortium of over 4,000 players that sued the league for a billion dollars. It was the billion-dollar concussion lawsuit. 
Now fast forward to this week. The roughing the passer the call on Chris Jones as he strip sacked Derek Carr on Monday night. If you don't think that was a complete overreaction, overadjustment, and overofficious decision from a human being dressed up as a referee, and that decision was based on fear and emotion that he might lose his job if he wasn't hypervigilant, you have not been paying attention. Human beings, by the way, make decisions on emotion. They justify them later with logic. And if you don't believe that, well, I will tell you that if that weren't the case, I don't know how we would sell three cars a year in this country. But was there malicious intent? Look, the NFL is in a situation now, uh, they're in a pickle. They're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. Now, I want to unpack this because I spent the last couple of weeks after the Tua thing finding myself a little sewing circle of doctors, chiropractors, medical professionals, medical team directors. One of the buddies I even played high school football with, he's gone into a very impressive career as a medical director for multiple sports franchises. And he looped me in on some dialogue between these medical professionals who had observations off the record about what they thought they saw when the Tua situation first happened two Sundays ago. Now, you remember this, okay? It was a Sunday game. Tua got up, got, he, got, he got hammered, and then he got up and collapsed. And my buddy's knee-jerk reaction was that Tua had a grade two concussion at minimum. And then when Tua returned to the game, they said it had been his back. Now, this really surprised my buddy because he said as he looked at Tua, Tua appeared to be very disoriented. You know, picture a boxer who just took a shot, clocked to the face, right? And that's what he thought he saw, and that's why Tua was so wobbly and disoriented and stumbling around. He also went on to tell me that if you're having a major back issue or a major back spasm, if, if your back is truly injured, what happens there is you don't wobble around, you freeze. You stop that in your tracks because you're really not able to move because your back's not allowing to. And then when you try to walk, it's a very stiff and guarded walk with very tiny baby steps. Chiropractors call it an egg walk, an egg walk gait because you can barely move. At that point, you're no longer a combat sport athlete. You're just simply the recipient of a wrong side blow to the head that causes what they refer to in the medical profession as TBI, a traumatic brain injury. Yes, that's right. A concussion is a traumatic brain injury. Your brain is smashed against your skull and it gets bruises. Now, when my th- these gentlemen, you know, let me know that when they heard that this, quote, back had caused the fall, the thought was, wait a minute. If a back injury would cause what you would call such an atypical looking collapse like that, all right, well, fine. Then he's, there's no way he's coming back in the game. Something was not adding up, Right. And you look, I covered the Lions for 10 years. Players line up for toward all shots on Sunday. What do, what, what do I mean by that? They're warriors. They want to play. They want to get paid. This is what they do. But they take the field and they look so athletic and agile and, you know, incredibly impressive uh, that everybody, uh, you know, in, in attendance thinks they're healthy. But a lot of them are playing hurt. And, and it's of their own volition. And I'm not questioning or judging anybody. That's just the reality. So when. Tua had to leave the game because of the concussion Thursday. And also, again, we talked about the situation from Sunday before. 
Everybody pretty much knew when it couldn't have been the back. They had to miss the TBI traumatic brain injury the week before. It just couldn't be the back because what happens is we now, we, the word concussion now has been so synonymous with the National Football League that it's easier to recognize him. And what's really scary is we now know, just the average plebeians like me now know that if you receive a concussion, it makes it easier to have a second one. So it wasn't just the insiders who thought mistakes had been made. Now the story explodes and the public starts to say, wait a minute, what's really happening here? We all know that in pro sports, most teams do their best effort to search for the best doctor, hire them to take care of their teams. All right. You've got large medical groups, universities, medical schools, large hospitals. They bid to be team doctors as another way to generate revenue for the cause. They're paid for their services. But then depending on the group and the contact, you know, they might just provide the doctors or as you have noticed, the medical staffs on teams have grown exponentially. All right. Years ago, you just had a team doctor and maybe an athletic certified trainer. Now you've got strength and conditioning coaches, massage therapists, physical therapists, doctors, nutritionists, chiropractors, medical professionals, you name it. Uh, And so the question is now, are they really independent? turns out they might not be as independent as the public thinks now they might not be affiliated with the team or in lockstep with the team but they're still affiliated with the nfl and so they might not really have the final say on a traumatic brain injury that's how we get where we're at and now you see the overreaction i will say this you got to be careful because the nfl is not going to lose the golden goose it's going to be interesting to see what happens from here in the end you know tommy the sword used to joke that in today's game there's so much more medical expertise at their disposal that players are be should be, be taken care of better than ever. Tommy used to joke, back when I was playing, we had one trainer and one bottle of rubbing alcohol and usually drank most of it by the seventh inning. But I digress. Coming up, will legal, legalized sports betting be coming to California? I have an update for you, and we also got Sleepy's Best Bet. Keep it locked right here. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas TireRack.com Fox Sports Radio Studios. You're listening to The Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Back on the Bernie Fratto Show, coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. Take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. ton of stuff to get to in a minute. I'm going to give you an update. Californians, go to the polls. Uh, what is it? Three weeks from next Tuesday to vote on two propositions, Prop 26 Prop 27, Prop 26 is the retail proposal that would allow you to place bets in person at sportsbooks and California tribal casinos and racetracks. Now, 27 would legalize online sports betting, and uh, that's the one I think that a lot of people would be more interested in. But, unfortunately, I'm not hearing some good news. We're going to get to that in just a second. First, let's go to Sleepy and Sleepy's Best Bet. All right, Bernie, NFL Week 6 best bet. I'm taking the Ravens-Giants over the total of 45-and-a-half. The Ravens' pass defense, it's absolutely terrible. In fact, they rank dead last in the league, allowing a league-high 290 yards passing per game against them. The Giants' passing attack is not anything better than average, but at home, I think the Giants can get it going, and it's looked a little bit better each and every week. And with Saquon Barkley playing the way that he's playing, I can't see a scenario where the Giants don't move the ball up and down the field. The Ravens' offense, it should be fine here with 
with Lamar Jackson doing his thing. The Giants are banged up a little bit here on the defensive front and the secondary. I could see a heavy dose of Mark Andrews, Devin Duvernay, and J.K. Dobbins. The Giants overall defense, it's ranked slightly above average. However, they've played against five struggling offenses this season. I see a shootout in this game, Bernie, so I'm making my NFL Week 6 best bet. Ravens-Giants over the total of 45 and a half. All right, Sleepy does a really good job with this. Gives you a lot of information. And let's not forget, Baltimore does have a prolific passing attack. And they got the best kicker maybe in the history of the National Football League. And Justin Tucker, he gets off the bus and starts kicking field goals. That could add up. Meanwhile, he is right. Baltimore's pass defense is, is Swiss cheese. All right, so I mentioned a minute ago, you've got Prop 26 and Prop 27. 32 states currently have legalized betting. There are five or six others that have legislation in place, just don't have the brick and mortar, haven't passed. You're looking at New York. New York is now doing a billion a month. California is looking at that, and you have twice the amount of people in California that you have in New York. So are these measures going to pass? Well, according to the UC Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies, they recently released a poll that focused on those two propositions, and they took into account that voters likely to vote They're showing only 31% of the people like and will vote yes on Proposition 26, and only 27% of the people will vote yes on Proposition 27. Could California get blanked? This is pretty discouraging. Over $550 million in expenses on both sides have advertised against the other to defeat the other one, and they're almost canceling each other out. This is really incredible. The, The two These are two state propositions, and judging by the current state of affairs, I think you're more likely to see the in-person betting 26 pass than 27. It would be a shame, but even if they do, they wouldn't go live till sometime in 2023. I hope it works out. We shall see, but I'm hearing that it might not. So keep your attention on that. Coming up. I might have been wrong about the Green Bay Packers. I thought they were going to the Super Bowl. We'll take a look. Keep it locked right here on Bernie Fratto. And this is the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Well, you heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. And we are broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right, we all have fun predicting Super Bowl matchups, and back in August, I believed it would be Green Bay and Kansas City. Yeah, replay of Super Bowl One, And I meant it. Right, I, I think a lot of the Green Bay Packers organization, Matt LaFleur, and certainly Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, the Chicago Bears once had a player by the name of Tim Reitman. Tim Reitman was a tight end, had a relatively nondescript career in the National Football League, came out of UCLA, and if you really want to get granular, he went to Mary Star of the Sea High School in Southern California, the significance, uh, David Gascon. Uh, it's Fox Sports Radio's update Anchor David Gaskin actually went to Mary Star of the Sea, but I digress. Well, in Tim Wrighton's first ever game in the National Football League, he lined up a tight end, and a guy by the name of Lawrence Taylor got snarly and got right up into his face and said, Sonny, when your center snaps the ball, I'm going to go to the left, 
and hit your quarterback so hard, I'm going to knock him out of the game, and it's going to be all your fault. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. Well, Tim Reitman knew the cadence. He knew right when the ball was about to be snapped. And right before the ball was snapped, Tim Reitman looked at Lawrence Taylor and said, Mr. Taylor, is that your left or my left? The ball was snapped. Reitman fired off the line of scrimmage, hit Taylor in the nuts, knocked him down. Taylor got up and looked at him and pointed and says, not bad, not bad. One of the reasons I've always had respect for the Packers and the way they run is because they've always had that kind of savvy to me. How do you manage to have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back-to-back over the better part of almost 30 years, but for some reason only get to one Super Bowl? Well, this year I really thought it was going to be the second time. So what's happening? I am concerned that the window for the Packers to get to the Super Bowl is closing. Just look last week. You head to London, you face the New York Giants. That really should have been a get-right game for the Packers. You're facing a team with a depleted offense, a a defense that no one's going to confuse with the 85 Bears, and this really sort of provided the the best opportunity for Aaron Rodgers and the whole Mishpuka there to get right. And this was the game, unfortunately, that causes you to look at Green Bay a little differently now. The Packers head into that game, you you would think they had pretty much most every conceivable advantage, right? Green Bay has a healthy defense right now. You thought they would tee off against Daniel Jones. He was hobbled, had a bad ankle, I think. You you might make him, you know, make bad decisions. You might force him to take sacks. And the New York Giants receiving core is not exactly stellar, and they were decimated as well. And it really meant, really, that you could sort of focus on just stopping Saquon Barkley and force a hobbled Daniel Jones to beat you. So things look as favorable as it could for Matt LaFleur's offense. But they, you know, and by the way, not for nothing, the first four games, Green Bay has not exactly, uh, their offense has not exactly looked what you'd think a Green Bay offense would be. They're finding their way. But everything was setting up for it to come come to fruition Sunday. Even Rodgers heading into the game said he thinks we're getting close. But instead, after, you know, leading by two touchdowns, they collapse, they lose 27 to 22. And unfortunately, this may be an indicator as to why perhaps Green Bay is really not a Super Bowl contender this year and the window for this team could be closing. Part of the issue I have as I've started to look into this is, first of all, I, I absolutely believe that Green Bay's defense would be one of the best in the NFL this week uh, this year based on their personnel. Plus, Jair Alexander returned. He's one of the best quarter, cornerbacks in football. Uh, Green Bay actually has three high-end cornerbacks uh, on the roster. Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage. He's these, This guy's a, a very good safety. Green Bay, in, on paper to me, should have one of the best pass defenses in the league, right? There's a, there's even more to like about the group. Kenny Clark is one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league, plus Green Bay adds a couple of guys, Jaron Reed and Devon Wyatt. So you've got depth. You've got talent. On the edges, Rashawn Gary from Michigan. He's emerged as a as an, a way above average pass rusher. And Preston Smith, he already has a track record. Top it off, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, These are stud draft picks out of Georgia. Green Bay, on paper, had what I believe to be heading into the year potentially one of the best defenses in the National Football League, certainly a top-five defense. And then I realized, wait a minute, the defensive coordinator is Joe Barry. 
Joe Barry. Now, you all know that I covered the Lions for 10 years from 98 to 2008, part of the pre and post. And I'll never forget 2008. Well, I forget any of it because I saw everything. I tell people I've seen everything. I saw Barry Sanders last year and in 2008. That was Rod Marinelli's 0-16 year. And who was the defensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions during that year? It was Joe Barry. And I never thought much of him then. So he ends up with the Packers. And you give Joe Barry more than enough talent, more than enough athleticism to to really deploy an aggressive defense, a creative defense. Instead, he's so cautious and he's so passive and his approach is so underwhelming that Green Bay is underachieving against basically less than offenses and depleted quarterbacks. How in the hell is this happening? Against New England, Green Bay faces a third stringer in Bailey Zappi, who's pretty good. But it was obvious that Bill Belichick was out chess-moving the Packers, and there were adjustments that Barry should have made that seemed obvious. Turn up the heat against the run. Start blitzing the hell against the rookie. Instead, he keeps two safeties back, and he lets the offense pick up our with chunks of yards, and Green Bay almost lost that game. I'm like, what are you doing here? Then it got worse in week five. Again, I already mentioned the Giants were playing without Kenny Holiday. They were playing without Katerius Tony. Again, Joe Barry, very conservative, and he was attacked relentlessly by Daniel Jones and Brian Dable. Jones is playing on an injured ankle, yet he goes 21 for 27, has the first 200-yard game of the year, and this is what should be really bothersome if you're a Green Bay fan. I've always said this about quarterbacks. Third down is the money down. They don't pay you to punt. Well, Green Bay was 6 of 11 on third down attempts. This is the real issue. Joe Barry's inability to make adjustments at halftime is what really led to the Giants winning that game. They had three drives coming out of halftime that totaled 207 yards and 17 unanswered points. That's on Joe Barry. Green Bay has the talent to consistently produce one of the best defenses in football. They certainly have it this year, but it's going to waste because of a defensive coordinator who doesn't seem to realize what he has. He has an abundance of riches on defense, and you know, you're not going to see him fired midseason, nor am I advocating that. I don't go on the radio and call for people's jobs, but I got to tell you, he is underachieving with the talent they have. And as a result, they're not playing complementary football. And it's I, I think it's affecting the offense. Green Bay, we're talking about a Hall of Fame quarterback. And look, you don't have, you know, Devontae Adams anymore and some of the, you know, the receivers that Aaron Rodgers has had in the past. But Green Bay should not rank near the bottom of the NFL in many of their major, uh, the, many of the uh, statistical outputs you would look at offensively. It's really concerning because they're regressing. Green Bay is only averaging 18.8 points a game. That's 21st in the NFL. And if you look at the advanced stats, they're averaging 0.29 points per play. These are advanced metrics. That ranks 27th. Their scoring rate is at 27%. That ranks 28th. Matter of fact, they don't rank higher than 12th in any offensive category. And you've got Aaron Rodgers. None of these stats are historically bad in terms of what other teams have done. However... 
when you start to look at Green Bay and what they're doing defensively and what they're doing offensively, based on these metrics, they now find themselves in a basket full of teams that if you look at similar performances throughout the history of the NFL, you're on the outside looking in when the playoffs start. Now, I think that would be heresy if Green Bay missed the playoffs, and I don't think they will. I think they'll figure this out. But when you've only scored 75 points through the first four games, and then you put it alongside the other 72 teams that scored 74, five or fewer points in their first four games in the last decade, of that group, the record, they only won 33% of the game. So the Packers are fortunate to at least be where they are because of Aaron Rodgers. So... You, you you believed that maybe these stats, you know, there's liars, damn liars, and there's statisticians. Maybe this was just an outlier, right? Even those 70 teams I mentioned, nine did make the playoffs. And Green Bay is, you know, it's not like Seattle's offense was last year, but losing in London to uh, the New York Giants highlighted another problem. And that is, I'm, I'm not quite sure that they're willing to run the football as much as they should. Because if you look at some of the defenses that the Giants challenged Green Bay with last week, they were all but daring them to run the football. You got Aaron Jones, you got A.J. Dillon, but they only carried the ball 19 times. Yet they managed to get 98 yards. So when they did engage, they were highly productive, even though their workload was limited. But... For some reason, both Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, and they were complicit in this, they just seemed to ignore what actually was working. And that's weird. That's why it's the Tim Reitman story in the beginning. I look at Green Bay as one of those headier franchises. They're smart. They just they manage to do things the right way, in my opinion, from the outside looking in. They've owned the NFC North for 100 years. Remember, I covered all those teams from 98 to 08. Green Bay was a loss. It was just a loss. You didn't go into land. Detroit didn't ever win into Lambeau and won. And every time Green Bay would come to town, it was a treat. Nobody threw that slant pass better than Brett Favre. It, it, it was just the uniforms. Look, I mentored under Dick Schaap. He wrote a book called Instant Replay. I met Jerry Kramer once. I, I dig the whole deal. It's on my bucket list. I'm ashamed to admit. I've been just about everywhere. No one likes a name drop or I name drop too much. Still haven't been to a game at Lambeau Field. Shame on me. Uh, one of these times. But Green Bay only ran the ball Three times on the first drive of the second half, the the drive stalled at the Giants' 42-yard line. Then Green Bay gets the ball back with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And you've got, if you looked at the New York defense, their defenders were gassed. They were gassed. They had just been on the field for a 15-play drive. But Rodgers tries to play hero ball. And then all the passes fall incomplete. They punt it back to New York, and the rest is history. Then... I did manage to sample part of the post-game conference. And, you know, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, they talk about want, wanting to get their running backs more involved. Then why don't they? At best, those adjustments, they never seem to last for more than a series or two. And then they revert. And I don't know why. And if Green Bay gets their ground attack thriving, that's only going to open up passing lanes which is going to help the guys like Romeo Dubs and the various receivers that Aaron Rodgers is trying to get on the same page with. And by the way, for what it's worth, I don't think the Packers should, should try to go out and get Odell Beckham Jr. He's not going to save the Green Bay Packers. 
The Packers, I already mentioned, you, you heard what I said about Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator. I like the Packers. I actually thought last August they'd get it going. Their defense would be better. You're not going to get much out of the Bears. The Lions aren't ready to contend. I still can't completely buy into the Vikings. So it would have seemed to me that the Packers would be on their way, maybe not 13-3 and three, or they play 17 games now, but on their way to being on the short list, maybe the only one on the short list, to win the NFC North again and maybe even get at least one home playoff game at Lambeau Field. Right? And you win two games and you're back in the Super Bowl, which you would have thought they would have had more of those. I really thought this was the year. But these games have been close. And it seems like when those key plays arise that need to be made when the heat gets hot and it's hard to breathe, Green Bay's not making them. And I think it's a leadership issue. It's a coaching staff issue. They're not making the adjustments. I do still absolutely believe that Green Bay will certainly make the playoffs. The NFC is weaker than the NFC, but I begrudgingly admit I think I'm wrong. I don't know that they're a Super Bowl contender anymore. And if you're a Green Bay Packers fan, be concerned, be very concerned, because their cap situation is set to be even worse in 2023. And if that happens, the Super Bowl window really does start to close on how many more years does Aaron Rodgers have left. Now, maybe they make a liar out of me. I... The, the, the Packers are a, a pretty big favorite against the Jets Sunday. The Jets will bring it, but they're a little overmatched. And by the stats and the odds and the metrics here in Las Vegas, the Packers have a 70%, 77% chance of beating the Jets on Sunday. And, uh, you know, do I expect them to? Yes, I do expect them to. But the Jets, they're confident right now. Dan talked about momentum. I listen. I think the Jets have some. They're over 500 for the first time since 2018. They're actually three and two. They feel really good about that. First time the Jets have been three and two since 1990. Robert Sala's beating his chest. Looks like the old Robert Sala defensive coordinator that you saw with the 49ers. And yes, since 1990, teams who start three and two, they make the playoffs 49.1 percent of the time. Now, the Packers still have, believe it or not, the fifth-ranked defense. They only give up 300 yards per game. So maybe they can wreak some havoc on Zach Wilson and company. But you still got to do it. Coming up, some NFL quick hitters. A certain streak is over in Kansas City. What's going on with the Atlanta Falcons? I've got some stuff on the Steelers. And by the way, we did have our first fired coach already. And, uh, you know, some, some little NFL tidbits you might have missed out on that I will share with you as we are now just 8 hours and 43 minutes away from NFL Week 6 continuing. Remember, we had a game Thursday night, if you want to call that a game. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Tyrac.com Fox Sports Radio studios. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show. Fox Sports Radio coming to you live from the Tyrac.com Fox Sports Radio studios. By the way, hey, football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM every Saturday and Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. Tune in Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio in the iHeartRadio app, presented by BetMGM. Hey, the streak is over. What am I talking about? Well, after 41 home starts, home starts now, Patrick Mahomes is a home underdog for the first time in his NFL career. 
They'll host the Buffalo Bills Sunday, catching two and a half points. It is the longest streak of being a home favorite to begin a career. Pretty impressive. By the way, if you're scoring at home, when Patrick Mahomes is an underdog, period, and it's only happened eight times, he's 8-0 against the spread. We'll see what happens on Sunday. Speaking of performing well against the spread, the plucky, gritty, gutty little Atlanta Falcons are actually 5-0 and against the spread through five weeks for the first time in franchise history. Now, since 1980, there have actually been 25 teams, not a lot, 25 teams to start the season 5-0 and against the spread. But the Falcons, they have the distinction of being the first team that's under 500 after five weeks since 1980 to be 5-0 against the spread. You know, when Marcus Mariotti watched that team, again, they're plucky. They play hard. They're opportunistic. They're not going anywhere, but you know what? What do they say? Good teams win, great teams cover. Well, they're not a great team, but they do cover. All right, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I mentioned at the top of the show, this is shaping up to be one of the more odd, idiosyncratic, unusual football seasons in a while. And you can put the Pittsburgh Steelers near the top of the list as someone who's participating in all this craziness. They haven't seen a year like this in quite a while. The Steelers are a nine-point underdog at home in the Steel City versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on uh, on Sunday. And we'll see if Ten- Kenny Pickett can start to perhaps show some of that promise. Now, believe it or not, last week in Buffalo, they actually had six drives where they had the ball more than eight plays, got into the red zone, they just couldn't score. But they actually showed some promise. This is shaping up to be, I think, a classic snapback play where you get the Steelers, you get to buy low, and you sell the uh, Buccaneers high. And and by the way, uh, the Steelers have in their history, yes, they have in their past history been a home underdog. As a matter of fact, in the past 20 years, the Steelers have been a home underdog uh, about 23, 24 times, and they're 18-5 and five against the spread as a home underdog. The last time they were a nine-point underdog was against the Vikings a few years ago. Uh, they won outright, 27-14. to 14. And uh, back in 2016, the year the Patriots won to the Super Bowl, the Pittsburgh Steelers were actually seven-and-a-half-point home underdog. Not so good that day. They lost 27-16. But this Tampa Bay team is still finding themselves as well. And they're a little banged up. They don't have a prolific offense. They rely heavily on the run. Unfortunately, Pittsburgh's got a ton of injuries. But guess who's going to need the Steelers on Sunday? That's right. The sports books are. Sportsbooks are going to need the Steelers on Sunday, and I want to be on the side of the sportsbooks. So I have grabbed the nine. Not telling you to do it. I'm telling you I have. Okay. By the way, who else do the sportsbooks need today? They needed the Oklahoma Sooners. They were laying nine. And people were wondering, how could they possibly be laying nine to Kansas with how bad and stinky Oklahoma's been? 85% of the tickets were on Kansas. 94% of the money was on Kansas. This is what you call a dream crusher game for Kansas. They were 5-0 and last week. They lost at home. Uh, to TCU, and when that happens, the following week, teams typically don't cover, and Oklahoma only won by 10, but they bailed out the books, and I mean the books were giddy today because there were a lot of money. Finally, by the way, in the past 20 years, 32 teams have fired their coach in midseason. The following week, those teams have gone 17 and 15 against the spread. You may say, what's so, what's so great about that? That's, that's you know, a little over 50%. However, Prior to that, those teams have been going like 27% against the spread. So, 
You might take a look at the Carolina Panthers. I'm not, because that trend is not contextualized to me in enough the way you'd want to do it. By the way, the Packers play the Jets. The Giants play the Ravens. What's the what's the angle there? Both without a bye week. Green Bay and New York both played in London last week. Only seven times in NFL history has a team returned home from London without a bye week. And they did actually pretty well against the spread, but most of them were trailing in the fourth quarter. So keep an eye on that. Coming up, can we start to speculate who might be in the Super Bowl? Of course. But first, let's go back to our guy, Dan Byer, with the latest. Bernie, it is great to talk to you, and I'll have some NFL news on who's going to be in, who's going to be out for the games coming up in uh, just a few hours. But we do start in Major League Baseball where the Padres eliminated the Dodgers, winning Game 4 of the National League Divisional Series 5-3. to three. San Diego wins the series three games to one, off to their first NLCS since 1998. Five-run seventh inning for the Padres as they move on. They'll face the Phillies in the NLCS starting on Tuesday. Phillies beat the Braves earlier on Saturday, 8-3. As for what happened in the American League, the Guardians scored three times in the ninth inning. They beat the Yankees 6-5, now up 2-1 in that best-of-five series. There will be a game four later on today, 7-07 Eastern time. It's the only baseball game that's going to be played because the Astros eliminated the Mariners 1-0 in 18 innings in a game that lasted six hours and 22 minutes. Jeremy Pena, the hero, solo home run in the 18th inning. The only run of the ball game. Astros, by the way, going to their sixth straight ALCS appearance. As for what that Astros game means for the NFL, well, the Cardinals and Seahawks can actually play on time. They will play at 4.05 Eastern time. In college football, number 20, Utah, a winner against seventh-ranked USC, 43-42. Fourth-ranked Clemson won at Florida State, 38-24. The game of the day, though, no doubt about it, Bernie, it was in Knoxville. The Mm. kick on the way, and that kick is knuckling toward the upright, and it's good! Just gets over the upright. Chase McGrath wins the game for Tennessee. I don't think anyone's gone to bed. Bob Kessling from Learfield on the call. I think they're all still awake in Knoxville. Sixth-ranked Volunteers knock off number three Alabama, 52-49 to on that game-winning field goal. Alabama, 17 penalties in this game. A tough one to take for the Crimson Tide, but the Vols stay unbeaten. TCU stays unbeaten by knocking off number eight Oklahoma State, 43-40 to in double overtime. And the last game of the week in college football, Hawaii dropped Nevada, 31-6. to Saints wide receiver Chris Olave expected to miss their matchup with the Bengals today because of a concussion. Saints already without Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. T. Higgins, a game-time decision. He's going to try to go in pregame warm-ups. The Bengals will then make a decision if he will play. Colts will be without Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines against the Jaguars. Cowboys wide receiver CeeDee Lamb expected to go against Philly. Falcons tight end Kyle Pitts should go against the Niners. Keegan Bradley won the Zozo Championship in Japan. Deontay Wilder, first-round knockout in Brooklyn. Bernie, back to you. Dan, my man, like watching Ted Williams hit, buddy. By the way, you are our official Cesar Tovar, Bert Campanaris, Shohei Otani. You play all positions. You've got some stuff coming up later today. Yes, it is Sunday. Tell the folks where else they can find you today. Yeah, 5 o'clock Eastern time, 2 Pacific. George Reister and I will be uh, get, have you covered for the late window. Bills, Chiefs, and Fox Sports Red Zone Radio on a Fox Football Sunday. So we've got you in that late window. I may have 
have my eye on my Seahawks as well, at least one of those eyes at that time. But Bills Chiefs, obviously the big one later on today. I think Rams Panthers, honestly, Bernie, is interesting for all that could go wrong for maybe the misery continues for Carolina or if the Rams don't play well, maybe things are a lot worse than than what they already perceive to be for the Rams. So it'll be an interesting Sunday for sure. Absolutely. And finally, you've still got your award-winning podcast with Mike Harmon. Tell the folks about that. I Want Your Flex launches every Tuesday and Friday morning, so we try to have you covered for the guys you need to pick up on waiver wire, and then we get you set uh, for your matchups. You can download it right now, if you will. It gets you ready for uh, week six for uh, all the games that are happening later on today and obviously tomorrow with the Monday Night Affair here in Southern California. And Dan, if I may ask, since you mentioned the LA Rams-Carolina game, how many folks have P.J. Walker on their roster? (laughs) He would think he's probably 0.0% owned in fantasy football leagues. But in all reality, if you are playing in a two-quarterback league, you're now into the bye, so you've got uh, four teams off. And you had a game on Thursday night. Uh, There could be some P.J. Walker plays in two-quarterback leagues around fantasy football. And lest we forget, P.J. Walker last year started against Arizona as a seven-point underdog, and they won 34-10. So there's that, my man. Dan, have a great Sunday. Man, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Bernie. We'll talk to you later. All right, pal. That is the great Dan Beyer. You hear him on this network. Gosh darn, seven days a week. He's already blown past DiMaggio and Cal Ripken's record. By the way, how could I skip over this? I'm not going to spend a lot of time, very little time. Deshaun Watson. Is facing another lawsuit. A massage therapist in Houston filed a civil lawsuit against uh, Deshaun Watson on Thursday, alleging that he pressured her into oral sex in December of 2020. Watson, again, currently serving an 11-game suspension after you know what happened. We talked about this ad nauseum last summer and before. But according to Pro Football Talk, and I read what Mike Florio wrote, there could be more coming down the pike. So no rest for the weary on that situation not easy. This is not an easy one to navigate. And by, by the way, it, it's probably not too soon to mention this. Where do the Panthers turn after you know firing Matt Rule? And gosh, they owed him a ton of money on the contract. So here you go. Uh, Rule leaves with an 11 and 27 record. He's got 40 million left on his contract. And how was your day, by the way? And Rule will probably end up with some college job next year. But there are apparently are already three potential candidates, Carolina fans, that you could see gracing your sidelines next football season. Currently, uh, the uh, 49ers defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, who's doing a superb job. He's only 38 years old. He is presiding over, I think, the most physical defense in all of football. San Francisco's a very good defense. There were many who thought he'd get a head coaching job last season. I would say that he's got a real shot to end up in Carolina, if not there, somewhere else. And you always need defense, right? Sean Payton is lurking. Now, he's another name you're going to probably hear every time an open job, you know, emerges. And he walked away from New Orleans after 15 years. But you know the phone's going to ring. He'll be ready for it. Here's the catch. The Saints actually still own Sean Payton's contractual rights. So anybody that uh, gets Sean Payton is going to have to trade for him 
unless they work something out with the Saints brass. Finally, another defensive coordinator, the Rams, Raheem Morris, he figures to be another hot name, I believe. Young guy, 46 years old. He actually has some head coaching experience. He did get fired in Tampa Bay, but he's been an incredibly successful defensive coordinator in multiple stops, even won a Super Bowl last season or a couple seasons ago. No, last season, excuse me, right, Rams. And, you know, then there are the usual suspects. Dan Quinn, he'll be a hot name again, given what he's doing with the Dallas Cowboys and that offense. Jim Caldwell, I, I think he'd had some health issues, but I always liked Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell did a good job in Detroit. The problem was when they brought in a new regime, they didn't believe he could get them to the Super Bowl, so he was a casualty. But he won two out of the three years, got to the playoffs two out of the three years, I believe, or certainly, and everybody loved him, all right? But, you know, the Patriots, they bring in all these smart guys, and they bring in a new president, they bring in Matt Patricia, and the only beef they had was they thought Caldwell had reached the ceiling and couldn't get him to a Super Bowl. Leslie Frazier's another guy, deserves another chance. Byron Leftwich, will he ever get his chance? You know, that might be a fit there in Carolina. Uh, he's He did great things. He still is doing good things with Tampa Bay. So, you know, the usual suspects, we'll see what happens. Carolina fans, take heart. I guess some relief will be on the way eventually. You don't have to worry about going to the Super Bowl this year, but who does? Because it's never too soon. That's what men do. We predict who's going to be in the Super Bowl. I'm not going to do that, but what I'm going to tell you, based on the probabilities and stats, the Buffalo Bills are the prohibitive Super Bowl favorite. This is just to get there. 13.6% chance. That's a, that's high. Okay, you made What's that? Philadelphia, they're right behind at 12.9%. The Chiefs, they're the only team above 10%, 10.7% chance, as they will have their showdown with the Bills later today. And the winner of that game, they're both going to win their division, I believe, and they're both going to be in the playoffs. And But after to, after Sunday's game, this might give you a glimpse as to who has the more direct path to getting a bye in the AFC playoffs, right? Uh, there are some teams falling back. I, I really don't think the Rams are going to be back in the Super Bowl this year. Not at all. There's a chance of they keep, you know, goofing around. They might not even make the playoffs, but we'll see. They're a long way from that. You know, the Rams lose at home to Cooper Rush and the Cowboys, and their odds of repeating are now to 2.5%. That That's a pretty significant drop. The Rams have a lot of problems. They just simply do. And actually, there's a model out there that shows that they've only got about a 49% chance to make the playoffs when you consider two weeks ago they were about 74%. The Rams, gun to my head, They'll find a way to sneak in. I think Sean McVay is too clever. My God, you still got Aaron Donald. You still got Cooper Cup. Come on, man. I don't know what's happening with Cam Akers Sunday, but it didn't sound good. But the NFC East has had quite the start to the season. The Eagles are the second most likely team to win the Super Bowl. Well, the Cowboys and the New York Giants are they're moving along. You can't count them out yet by the numbers, okay? When the Giants upset the Packers, believe it or not, the Giants, I'm talking about the Giants. Now, is it going to happen? I don't think so. But they still got a 19% chance to make the Super Bowl and about a 34% chance to make the playoffs. That's quite a far cry from where they were. Some of these teams are going to look, the Raiders fans, I really told, I completely respect Raider Nation. I just think they're living in the past. When Al Davis passed, they're never really going to be the Raiders again. Believe me, I saw the Raiders when they were the Raiders. And if they win, great. I think it's great when the Raiders do well. As I've said a thousand times, whether it's the Yankees, the Celtics, the teams people hate, the Cowboys, it's better 
when they do well because the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. If you hate a team, if you watch them because you hate them, we do a hate watching, you have the same emotion invested as the teams that were that you love. Same emotion. But if we're being honest here, I don't have much hope uh, for the Raiders. Uh, the, the model I, the, you know, the research I show is they've got about a 70% chance of making the playoffs, but right now they look to be headed toward about a seven-win season, seven and ten, which in theory, as part of the Pythagorean theory last year, they should have been a seven-win team last year when you give up 65 more points than you score. As a matter of fact, I'm going to revisit this next week. The Raiders got to buy this week. But I mentioned this before the season. Could this be bad news for the Raiders? Because when you look at what happened last year and apply the Pythagorean theorem, and you go back to 2007, teams that won two or more games than they should have based on the theorem in, you know, and again, it goes back to points scored, points allowed, a bunch of other factors. But they overachieve like that. They almost always fall back the following year. And remember, the Raiders won 10 games last year. They elected to move on from Rizpasaccia. We'll see. Let let the season play out. It's not over, but the Raiders are 1-4, and four, and I guarantee they didn't sign up for that. The Lions, they've hit rock bottom. You heard it. They're projected to win about 5.6 wins. The bottom team, if you heard Steve Fezzik's best bet, under, you can get the under of the Carolina Panthers, 5.5 wins. They're projected to win about 4.5 games. And so, you know, these numbers, you might say, well, where do they come from? What do they mean? They're actually a little bit more significant than you realize because the truth of the matter is they're played out over years or played out over decades and you have a situation where sometimes the past can predict the future coming up we do a little uh house cleaning business the nba starts tuesday is this going to be a tense season for the warriors up ahead i'll explain why and also I feel bad for the Mariners fans because when you look at their history and how long it's been and how game they were this year, you have to feel a little sorry for them. Maybe we'll throw them some love. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, the Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked right here. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The following is a high-five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Now we're back on the Bernie Fratter Show, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Tyrac.com Fox Sports Radio Studios. Some folks on Twitter, it's coming, peeps. Top of the hour, 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. Yes, what kind of brand new fool are you? The dance sensation sweep of the nation, followed by What My Name. 
All right, all throughout the night, we're sort of living in this odd, weird twilight zone. Last night, you know, I mentioned that when you looked at the three top, the, the top dogs, the Atlanta, you know, uh, the Atlanta Braves, the defending champs, Dodgers won 111, New York Yankees. I said, you know, I think at least one of them's going down. Well, so far, two of them have gone down, and the Yankees are on deck for Sunday, and there is no guarantee they're getting out of Cleveland. I, I got to tell you, this is craziness, but but you love it because the Phillies, at one point this year, were 14 games behind Atlanta. That's why baseball is such a unique game. I love all sports, but you put a goal on this side, a goal on that side, the gun sounds, beginning, end, over, time clock, done, time to go. Baseball, it's nuanced. They got to get you out 27 times. There's no time clock. You can be down five runs in the night. Look at what Seattle did, by the way, against Toronto a couple weeks ago, coming up with that big ninth inning. You can be down big in the ninth inning. There is no time clock. You can't make errors. You can't give teams five outs an inning. You can't defend a walk. It's a nuanced game. Philly fires their manager. They're left for dead, 14 games back. Give it up. They beat Atlanta. They're on their way. They're headed to San Diego, not Los Angeles, San Diego. The Padres were 22 games behind the Dodgers this year. They played 19 times during the regular season. The Dodgers beat them 14 of the 19. The Dodgers won 111 games this year. On March 24th, Dave Roberts went on the Dan Patrick Show. I'm not picking on him. He said, we'll win the World Series, mark it down. You know, the Dodgers have won north of 100 games in the regular season 10 times in their in their history never won the world series the year they did it how about the guardians 24 and 6 down the stretch to get into the playoffs incredible dodgers were 76 and 13 when they scored first tonight they scored the first three we have had nothing but high drama baseball and the irony 34 years ago tonight kirk gibson hits the home run in los angeles off of dennis eckersley who had given up a home run in two months that propelled the dodgers to the world series after beating Oakland. That was only game one, but it got even better from there. How about the Seattle Mariners? Last time the Mariners made the playoffs, there were 5,273 blockbuster stores across the country. That was 2001. Now there's only one. It's in Bend, Oregon. By the way, back then, the first time the Seattle Mariners made the playoffs, their rookie star center fielder, Julio Rodriguez, was only one year old. The number one song at the time was Fallen by Alicia Keys. The number one movie was Shrek. The Enron scandal was just beginning. And by the way, the last time the Mariners made the playoffs, the most popular show was Friends. And I think even Ross and Rachel rooted for the Seattle Mariners. By the way, Oscar Gonzalez hits the walk-off home run to get the Indians over the hump a week ago tonight. Singles. Uh, the guy's amazing. His walk-up song is SpongeBob SquarePants. Why? He's just a young dude, only 24. He says because it's fun, and baseball's a kid's game, and that's a kid's show, and it's supposed to be fun. That's why my walk-up music is fun. Dude, how do you not love this and what's going on right now? And I know there are a lot of cities that are going to go to bed tonight sad, but there are others that are going to wake up happy. We got Indians, Indians, we got Guardians, Yankees on Sunday. How soon we forget. Coming up, keep it locked. The dance sensation sweeping the nation. What kind of brand new fool are you? I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Radio and the Bernie Fratto Show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. 
And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. That's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Frado Show keeps rolling right along. Three down and one to go. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. By the way, coming up bottom of the hour, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. We're getting to the point where we're just weeks away now from the World Cup opener with England. By the way, uh, Erling Holland, the guy Chris talked about last week that scores goals like Gretzky. You can watch him live in about six and a half hours from now. He's on TV at 8.30 Pacific, so we'll get to that stuff uh, in, uh, in, in just a minute. But it's this time every week that we regale the nation. With the dance sensation sweeping the nation, a feature we affectionately call What Kind of Brand New Fool Are You? You see, every day across this great country and around the world, people do things that leave you scratching your head. Some are fairly innocuous, some are completely nefarious. But they leave you asking, what kind of brand new fool are you? So tonight we take you to Seminole, Florida. Meet Mr. James Sinclair, age 56 years old. The other day he walked into a bank and armed with only a finger gun. Can't make this stuff up, folks. A finger gun tucked under a shirt. James decided he was going to rob a bank, but he was arrested within 10 minutes. <laughs> this is the best part. How much was he asking for? He robbed the bank the princely sum of $120. According to investigators, Mr. Paul James Sinclair, age 56, he entered a branch of Chase Bank in Seminole, Florida, all around 1.30 in the afternoon and approached a teller by the name of Desiree. She said, quote, with his hand under his shirt, Sinclair made the shape of a gun with his finger and demanded that Desiree hand over the cash. Sinclair also advised her, you better not push any buttons, and he waited for her to open her drawer. Right after Mr. Sinclair was handed his $120, he fled the crime scene. Right? But now the cops described him as sort of a transient. He was arrested exactly 11 minutes later. And charged with robbery, he was held in the county jail in lieu of $10,000 bond on the, felony, on the felony account. Believe it or not, in the police report, it said that no weapons or no appendages were seized from Sinclair during the arrest. Mr. James Sinclair, I ask you, what kind of brand new fool are you? Chris Perfett, here we go. All right, Bernie, we're taking you to Elmont, New York, to the National Hockey League game on the 13th against the Florida Panthers and the New York Islanders. Final score, 3-1, to one. Uh, large in part thanks to uh, Patrick Hornquist's uh, tie-breaking goal in third period and 31 uh, shots saved by... Sorry, hold on a second. Uh, yeah, okay. Ugh, restart. 31 shots saved by Sergey. Anyway, that's not the story. The game is not the story. The story is what people continue to do to make themselves fools. And I wish we could figure out a way around this. So we take you to the the middle stages of the game as Florida is starting to really take it to the Islanders. And we go to the kiss cam. With the kiss cam time here, 
uh, as a guy has decided to take it to the next level. We've seen people propose on kiss cams before, Bernie. Oh, I've yeah. never seen this before, though. Oh, yeah. Where a man took off his shirt on the kiss cam and written on his chest is the words, please say yes, yes, yes. And then he gets down on one knee and proposes. Please Cam- tell me she said yes. Camera camera cuts away, Bernie. Dan Rosen, the report, senior writer for NHL.com, says he was in the press box. He could see them from there. The girl got up and left. She flat out left. And then right after that, the Panthers scored. <laughs> our, uh, our, How are we going to connect the dots here? Listen, Is there any- I, I know we all love sports. I know we all love going to the arenas, and we think it can be a romantic time. But for the love of every loving God here in the other world, in the third, fourth, fifth world, don't do it while taking your shirt off. Yeah, I, I never Unbelievable get the, fool. I, I never get the whole grandstanding proposed to your wife in front of God and everybody in 50,000 of your clothes. 17,000 people in uh, UBS Arena in Elmont. Well, you know, yeah, people no. do it at home plate. Not home plate, but, you know, ballparks and everybody cheers. And all. I, I got to tell you a quickie, Chris. Uh, Brandon, we'll get to you in just a second, buddy. Hang tight. So in 2004, when I was still in Michigan, I was with the WKRK 97-1. That's the year the Pistons won the uh, win the NBA championship with Larry Brown, beat the uh, Lakers in five. All right, let me get to the story. There was a kiss cam camera that night, and on the screen, they showed some random dude kissing the lady next to him. The only problem was it wasn't his wife, and his wife was watching the game at home on TV. And he said he was going to be somewhere else that night. Yeah, that was a radio topic the next day on local Detroit radio. So uh, we should have invented what kind of brand new fool were you back then. Too late to bring it back now. But there you have it. Any more Kiss Cam stuff, or is that pretty much wrap it up? No, thank God. Just uh, keep the shirt on. Keep, yeah, that's right. Keep 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 your keep shirt, shirt on. on. we got kids eating cereal over here, for crying out loud. Have you no shame? All right, Brandon Truffle, you're up, buddy. You've, no, you've done well, Brandon. Go get him. Go get him. All right, Bernie. Today we're taking it to Major League Baseball. Now, there's something you got to know about me. I like to think of myself as an optimist, especially when it comes to my sports teams. You know, I'm the type of person that believes until the final score is in the books. Even if my team is down 3 nothing in a series, 3-1, I'm a believer, okay? Now, the LA Times this morning posted at 10.14 a.m. on Twitter an opinion article with the, with the tagline, If there was ever a case for canceling the playoffs and awarding a championship to one team because it was so clearly better than all the others, the 2022 Los Angeles Dodgers would be it. I mean, Bernie, when your own hometown is throwing in the towel for your team, which, by the way, 111 games, has arguably the best roster in baseball, that's pretty pretty foolish in my opinion. Um, another thing you got to know about me, I'm born and raised in San Diego. Okay. I'm a Padres fan. I have watched the Dodgers bully the Padres my entire 29 years of existence. I've watched it. And I cannot tell you how many times I thought the Padres were going to beat the Dodgers only for the Dodgers to pull you know, the rabbit out of the hat and come through and win a game. So, I mean... I just don't understand why a, why a paper is going to turn on a team that did so well as the Dodgers, and we all know how the story ends. 
the Padres ended up winning the series, but I think it's pretty foolish to count a team that won 111 games out. My favorite line of this article is, it's akin to winning a 26.2-mile tw- marathon by an hour and then having to beat the runners-up in a 100-meter sprint to be declared the champion. I mean, when a lot of people are trying to kind of invalidate your 2020 World Series, saying that was kind of a fluke in 60 games, I think you would try to back your team in this situation. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but that's pretty foolish. Brandon, who wrote the article, if I may ask? I know who the – I know who – I don't – who wrote it? Yeah, no problem. This was, was Bill Paul Blasky? Thornton. Oh, okay. Paul Thornton. Did, didn't Bill Plansky write an article calling like the Pottery's little brother recently? Yes, he did. And, and that's fair. I mean, I he's a good. How'd that he, work he, out? He, 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 yeah, I know. We get that, and he's a very good writer. He is. It's odd him. how these damn things. You know, when, I I I gotta admit, when for, Fernando Tatis pulled his garbage, right? First he gets to the motorcycle accident, comes back, and then he tests Correct. positive for the P. I said, wait a minute, this is too weird. This is too weird. This might be lining up for the Padres to sneak up. They did it in '84. They did it in '98. They didn't win. They, they ran into the '84 Tigers. I was at three of those games: two in Detroit and one in San Diego. My buddy Tim Flannery played for the Padres, and in '98 they ran into that buzzsaw Yankee team that won like 116 games and closed the deal. 114, 114. games. 114. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And so I'm thinking, wait a minute, man. So here's a question for you, real quickly, before we flip to what my name. Sure. Will you feel better if the Padres finished the deal so you know the Dodgers were eliminated by a team that actually won it all, or is that just going to make the knife twist even further? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, so are you rooting for the Padres to continue on to win the whole damn thing, which might lessen the steam or, or, or might lessen the pain because at least the Dodgers lost to the eventual world champions if the Padres finished the deal, or does that just twist the night even further, saying we were better than them, we should have beat them, beat them 14 out of 19 in the regular season? Which would you rather see happen? Um, I mean, if I were a Dodgers fan, which I'm not, I'm a Padres fan, I, I obviously want to see the Padres keep winning. Um, for the Dodgers' sake, I mean, I, I honestly would not care at this point. I think they have bigger problems to to solve. To be honest, I don't even think Plashke's that far off calling them little brother. You would know this, Bernie. Well, Michigan, he, Michigan State. Well, I, I was that's just about a big to bring brother, little brother. And yeah. guess what? Sometimes little brother gets one over you. That's, that's right. a totally normal part of sports. Well, I, the thing the thing that's interesting, I'm glad you brought up uh, that, uh, Chris, because I was thinking of Ohio State, Michigan, and I'm starting to feel like the hate between the two teams, Dodgers, Padres, is really real. Well, those two, those two see each other as equal. In this scenario, I think Ohio State, Michigan, be more akin to like Giants and Dodgers. Whereas, again, the Padres have always been Michigan State. And let's not forget, Michigan State's had national titles. It's just that Michigan will, Michigan fans will never acknowledge Michigan State right up until Sparty is walking all over them. Well, it's also, I, I mean, if I may jump in, it's also pretty yeah. deeper than just you know Dodgers, Padres. I mean, the Chargers, who were a staple in San Diego for over fifty years left to go to L.A., even though they knew they didn't have any fans in L.A., and now it's being proven that they don't have any support in L.A. I mean, they're a... Well, no, no, it's true. Hey, by the way, so, you want to have you want to have some real fun and get into the cookie jar? I remember when Steve Garvey left the Dodgers and went to San Diego. Yep. And then the next year, they made the playoffs. The loudest stadium I've ever heard in my life 
was game four against the Cubs in 1984 when Garvey hit a home run in uh, extra innings to send it to game five, and that's the ball that went up through Leon Bull Durham's legs, and the Padres got to the World Series. My buddy Tim Flannery hit the ground ball. So there's hate. I think there's genuine hate, and I'm glad Chris brought up the thing because Ohio State and Michigan, those two hated each other so much. One year, Woody Hayes and the Ohio State Buckeyes were leading Michigan 48-14. to They scored a touchdown, then they went for two and made it 50-14. to At the end of the press conference, some of the reporters said, Woody, you're already up 48-14. to Why did you go for two? He says, because they wouldn't let me go for three. That's what happens when teams hate each other. You've already seen the meme flying around Twitter tonight about that kid clapping and celebrating with the Padres jersey on, and he looks right at the Dodger and puts a middle finger right in his face. I'm going, oh, my God. The kid, this guy's just some baby-faced kid. I'm going, so there's real hate here. Uh, before yeah, we get to only, what – The only word ahead. I could I could say to express kind of the feeling of the win is cathartic. That's what it was. Oh, for the Padres fans. Absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. That will wrap up another outstanding edition of What Kind of Brand New Fool, which segues into another feature that we lovingly refer to as What My Name. All right, we'll mow through these guys. You know, the other night, Travis Kelsey in Monday Night Football scored four touchdown passes as a tight end. Well, I'm the last tight end to catch four touchdown passes in a game before Kelsey did it Monday night. I did it back in 1985. Chris Perfett, what my name? Rob, oh, oh, geez. Um, 85? Oh, no. Okay. It's all right. I'm the last tight end off to of the pass. catch four. I tried. I had to give some kind of clue. I'm the last tight end to catch four TD passes in a game before Travis Kelsey did it Monday night. I did it in 1985. Uh, Brandon Truffle, what my name? Kellen Winslow? Hey, that's, that's a really damn good guess. It's actually Jimmy Giles of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, on this day in 1979, I scored my first ever NHL goal on the way to a sensational Hall of Fame career. Chris Perfett, what my name? Sorry, the year one more time? 1979. Uh, no clue, so just Sergey. Yeah, Ser- Sergey wasn't a rookie till like 83 or 84. No, he's also a goaltender. Oh, I thought you meant Sergey... Um, um, Federal. I'm sorry. No. Better and a corner of Anna Kornikova fame. All right. On this day in 1979, I scored my first ever NHL goal on the way to a sensational Hall of Fame career. Brandon Truffaut. What my name? Uh, Wayne Gretzky. Bam! There you go. Yeah. See, 79. Because you know it wasn't going to be Gordie Howe. You know it wasn't going to be you know Yarmer Yager or or, or Sidney Crosby. So 79. All right. We're off and running, guys. I think you're going to get this one. On this day in 1990, Joe Montana threw five touchdown passes, and I caught them all. Chris Perfett, what my name? Uh, let's go with Jerry Rice. Bam! We're back cooking with gas. And I think you guys should get this one, but it might be a little bit of a curveball. All right. We're talking about the year 2022. I actually won the American League batting title this season, Edging out Aaron Judge by five points. Chris Perfett, what my name? Ooh, um, I'm blanking really hard. I think ask someone of the Astros, but I've got Larvell Blanks once played for the Atlanta <laughs> Braves, but it was not him. All right, good guess. All right, 
I won the batting title this season, edging out Aaron Judge, the American League batting title, edging out Aaron Judge by just five points. Chris, or excuse me, Brandon Trufa. What's my name? His name is Luis Arise, and he plays for the Minnesota Twins. Look at you. Oh, you're just showing off now, Luis Arias. Look at you. I'm proud of you. All right. Let's keep, let's keep it rolling. 1979 seems to be a theme. This week... Back in 1979, I made my NBA debut with 26 points and 8 rebounds as we beat the San Diego Clippers. Chris Perfett, what my name? Hmm, Michael Jordan. Not too far off, except Jordan didn't get into the league. He was, he was, he was like just in high school yeah. then. All right. This week in 1979, I made my NBA debut, scoring 26 points, had 8 rebounds as we beat the San Diego Clippers. Brandon Trufa, what my name? I'm just going to go with Magic Johnson. Bam! You guys four in a row! And, of course, I was an intern at the forum then. I'll never forget. You knew you were seeing something special. And the big captain, he was a little surly back then. He jumps into, Magic Johnson jumps into his arms. And after the game, Chick Hearn asks Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, well, what do you think of this so far? He goes, I don't think I can take 81 more of these. <laughs> Magic Johnson was awesome, man. I love the dude. All right. Final one. I got a feeling you guys are going to get this too and go four out of five. This week in 2003, during the Major League Baseball playoffs, I interfered with Moises Alou catching a fly ball at Wrigley Field, and you know what happened next. Chris Perfett, what my name? That would be, um, oh my God, uh, Bart. Um, why am I? Bra- it's on the tip of my tongue. I wanted to give it to you. Oh, so close. All right. This week in 2003, during the Major League Baseball playoffs, I interfered with Moises Alou trying to catch a fly ball at Wrigley Field. And you know what happened next. Brandon Trufa, what my name? That would be Stephen Bartman. Bam! Four of five. Look at that. And see, we, we were even down a man tonight. We didn't have Dan to help us or Nick Cope or any. Great job, guys. Really outstanding stuff. By the way, any any more final thoughts, both of you, on the Dodgers Padres? Because I got honest to God, LA is going to wake up tomorrow. Well, it's already tomorrow. They're going to wake up and say, "Oh snap!" Any final thoughts, Chris, Brandon? No, I. You didn't. You didn't get it closed. I, as someone who likes a sport like soccer, where there's no angst of a playoffs for domestic titles. I think we should appreciate single season. I mean, single regular season records a little bit more. But I know in America that's a lost cause. It's Brandon, if you win oh a bunch of games and then fail in the playoffs, oh yeah, mocked. oh yeah. There's no absolutely. That that's just kind of a fact, Chris. You're right, Brandon. Any final thoughts? Well, I can't say what I want to say over the year because sure you can. You know, Might be your last show, stuff, but what the but hell? No, I'm just, go ahead. I'm going to say let's go Padres. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. All righty then. We'll take it. Coming up. Speaking of championships, the Warriors. It seemingly would be in line for another one, but I think they've got a bit of a tense season that lies ahead. Doesn't mean they're not going to win, but you know, had a little uh, little deal this past week, which we'll put a final capper on. And by the way, you might want to beat Victor Wembayama if you haven't yet. He's seven foot four, and okay, this guy's indescribable. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio TireRack.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Back on the Bernie Fratter Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Follow me on Twitter, at Bernie Frout. In a couple minutes coming up after Steve DeSager's update, we have Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. Uh, and uh, we'll, dive, we'll dive into that, of course. But real, real quickly, the NBA actually starts Tuesday. And uh, will the Golden State Warriors repeat? Well, Draymond Green is now back after one of the most dramatic weeks in the team's history I don't know any team's history. If you've all seen the video, that's saying something too. Because Draymond and the relationship with the Warriors has has always been volatile. He's just a mercurial guy. There's no question. He's a defensive genius on the floor. He helps them win titles. He helped them lose a title in 2016 when he kept kicking guys in the nuts and they missed a game. And LeBron's team snuck in there, and the Cavs and Matthew Dellavedova and that team beat. And Kyrie Irving, who made the game-winning shot, beat the uh, Warriors that year. But the reality is that the relationship between Draymond and the team is probably now more awkward than ever, and that's saying a lot. But there's the other reality. Both sides absolutely need each other if they want to win this fifth title together and win it this year. That's a fact. The timing, now Golden State opens their season Tuesday, and this is so fresh and so recent uh, by the way, I believe Jordan Poole just got a contract extension. Good for him. So everybody's got to stay together for now. they got to somehow put this behind him. Draymond Green, when he's got his head on right, is the emotional center of the team. At least he was. And whether it remains that way as the season continues on, we will see. He's, still, he's not hated. He's still fairly well-beloved, but he's on thin ice now, right? And the truth of the matter is I'm guessing that Jordan Poole somehow gave him a hall pass behind closed doors, and so that helped let us... A lot of steam off the kettle. But the real question will be, how much longer can this relationship last? Maybe one more year? Because they got to be getting tired of this. And so whether or not the Warriors win another championship this year, and that might be the best time to cut bait, or they don't win one, you feel like it's going to be a situation where all the Warriors having all the money they have in the books and all the salary cap issues and things of that nature, when Green's contract runs out, I will say that probably you're looking at a situation where he will be, Drummond Green will be the odd man out, but we'll see. Uh, we're going to have Mark Medina on my Friday night show next Friday. It's been that every Friday, every other Friday, Medina Magic will start to unpack some of this, plus the Russell Westbrook situation in Los Angeles and certainly the Ben uh, Simmons situation in the Brooklyn Nets. Lots of storylines surrounding the NBA, which is upon us. And by the way, don't forget, we've got NFL football. Seven and a half hours, week six, resumes in the National Football League. And in six hours, Man City plays Liverpool. And our buddy, Erling Holland, will see how many goals he scores. You can watch it on TV today. So coming up here in just a minute, we will dive into Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. But first, 
Let's go back to Steve DeSager with the latest. In college football, Tennessee beat Alabama 52-49 on a 40-yard field goal on the final play. Clemson and Michigan picked up victories in the top 10. Ole Miss as well. Utah upset number 7 USC 43-42 on a touchdown and two-point conversion in the final minute. TCU in double overtime came back to beat number 8 Oklahoma State 43-40. Wins for Oklahoma and Texas. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor is out for Sunday's game. In fact, running back Naeem Hines of Indy is also out due to injury. Indy hosts Jacksonville. In the MLB playoffs, the Padres eliminated the Dodgers late Saturday night, 5-3 with five runs in the bottom of the seventh, taking their best-of-five series three games to one. Earlier, Philadelphia eliminated the Braves, the defending champs, three games to one, winning Saturday 8-3. So the Phillies will open the NLCS Tuesday night on the road at San Diego. The top seed in the American League, Houston, was a winner in a three-game sweep in 18 innings one nothing at Seattle. Jeremy Pena hit the go-ahead home run. Houston advances to the ALCS for a sixth straight year. Cleveland goes up two games to one in its division series after beating the Yankees 6-5. The Guardians scored three runs in the bottom of the ninth. Aaron Judge did have a two-run homer. He had been 0-8 with seven strikeouts in the series. The Yankees hit three home runs but wound up losing thanks to the ninth-inning rally. I'm Steve DeSager. Thanks so much, Steve. All right, this time every week. And, hey, five weeks from next Friday, the World Cup is upon us. Tons on the docket tonight. We've got a Classico coming up this Sunday. We've got Man City versus Liverpool here in just six hours. And am I hearing this right? England may have a man down. That's the team USA opens up against when World Cup starts play on Friday, November 25th. You hear it all. It's time for Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. The greatest goals. The thrilling finishes. The international drama. Chicharito, Chicharito, Chicharito. Ahí. Ahí la tiene Torrado. It's all here in this report from the world of soccer. All right, Bernie, we've got a lot to get to throughout the world. So we do start, though, in the biggest rivalry. There is no bigger rivalry in the world. Red Sox-Yankees, El Clasico is bigger. Habs-Bruins, El Clasico is bigger. Boston Celtics, I'm sorry. Barcelona versus Real Madrid is bigger. It's bigger than everything. This is the game that determines kings and paupers alike out here. And for the first time in the La Liga season itself, we are getting El Clasico. And it comes on a very sordid week for Barcelona, who had tried to turn around their fortunes during the summer. They spent a lot of money. They went all out. What it's got them, however... In last week, in this week's Champions League play, was a 3-3 draw against Inter Milan, which puts them in a deep third in their Champions League group. Very unlikely they move out out to the knockout round there. So they come into this game a little bit bitter here. And Real Madrid, of course, is Real Madrid. They're singing high and everything. And I, I, I don't know. Barcelona's president's already putting out statements saying that uh, he's he's got the back of the Barcelona coach Xavi Hernandez, but. This could be one of those games, Bernie, that, you know, as always, you throw out the record books when it comes to Barcelona. These teams want to get in each other's face. They want to celebrate. And this is the biggest game out there this week. Yeah. Well, you are right. It is arguably on a world stage the most intense rivalry because it's politically based, which is what you just said. 
it, it, it transcends soccer. And these are two of the biggest cities in Spain. And at one point, Forbes had these two teams, like two of the top uh, in terms of their value as a franchise. So they check every box. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's obviously new eras for them. It's been a minute now without Messi, without Ronaldo for both clubs, but they've moved on pretty well. Although Barcelona's case, it's a little more sorted. We'll get to that in a second. But first, and let's not forget our guy, Jose Mourinho. He's been a part of a few of those clubs. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, Barcelona will be sporting something interesting with their kits, this, this El Clasico. They have the classic, you know, stripes on there for for the city of Barcelona. But um, there's a owl on the front. You might be asking yourself, why is there an owl? Why are they wearing an owl there? That's not part of the club's. Uh, it, it's for Drake. It's for Drake. So backstory to this is that uh, they entered a very large Jersey sponsorship this this past this this summer with Spotify, and Spotify wants to now put Drake's personal logo to right. quote celebrate the rapper's career. Now, however, for those who know the rest of the sporting world, you might re- recall that Drake is a bit of a, um, how do we say this, Bernie? He's a bit of a curse. He likes to Toronto, follow. Toronto Raptors? Toronto yeah. Raptors. Uh, Although they did he win shows up randomly. Yeah, well, that was the one, but he shows up randomly to Kentucky games. He has a bit of a, he had a reputation for a long time as a bit of a front runner. He'd always show up in Miami when, when LeBron James was down there and such. Like, so... I don't. I. I don't know. Barcelona is a plus two hundred underdog in this game, so I think I'll be taking Real Madrid just because it is Drake, and the Drake curse can be very real at times. However, Barcelona's got other troubles like that because I mean they could be losing Frankie De Jong, who is on the rumors to maybe be a transfer to Liverpool at some time here later in the year, which does take us to Liverpool and Manchester City. Erling Holland is going to have himself another mm. day. But I think the bigger story is in the club who is more desperate, and that is Liverpool. Liverpool, the vaunted Liverpool, who's who does everything the right way, who's not the massive giant spender like your Manchester Cities or your or your uh, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, they are 11th on the Premier League table right now with a meager 10 points. There's three clubs who are running away with the Premier League right now. Arsenal, Man City, Tottenham, Hotspur. They all have at least 23 points. So Liverpool is absolutely desperate in this. They are they are way out of they're way out of even the Champions League picture right now if for for this year. I I, I expect them to get back in front, but Bernie uh, even though they had a hat trick from Mohamed Salah in the Champions League, you still have to take care of your business on the domestic league side. And Manchester City is just gunning down on you right now. So I, I don't know where this is going to go for Liverpool, but uh, it's 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 dire straits right now. Well, I, I you know what are they in tenth place or something like that? Eleventh place. Eleventh place. Oh, that's see, that's not good. Yeah, out of out of twenty slots in the Premier League. Well, listen, uh, I'm DVRing this game. Uh, I may be back up at eight thirty. It's likely I will. But I will tell you, since you, I, I've been paying attention to Erling Holland since you report. At that point, he had like nineteen goals in twelve games. Then he scored one the next day. Mike Tirico was talking about him during Monday Night Football. I did I'm not hear joking. That. Yeah, I did you, hear that. Wasn't that amazing? <laughs> you so know, part this, of this it, guy, part this of guy is a pro- brand new superstar. Sure. You know, part of it is their, you know, their. It's part of their liner notes, and they're they're certainly promoting the uh, the game because it's on the network. But regardless, when you promote it based on a single star like that, and this 
Cat's only been with the club since July. This is incredible. I, I love this. Hollins, Hollins measured his career very well. He never chased the money. He's always chased where he can go to succeed. And even Jurgen Klopp, the manager for Liverpool's, give, gives him credit and called him the best striker in the world. Jurgen Klopp, however, turned some more heads this week, mostly because just on City, he called out Manchester City itself by saying, like, look, nobody can really compete against them. They're just the rich getting richer, which, I mean, Liverpool's throwing around a lot of money. I, money, I understand that, but I think he does have a point that the Manchester City, who has backing from the United Arab, uh, uh, Night of Arab Emirates, and some of their uh, some of their corporations there, like there, there's really nothing that Liverpool can really do to keep up. Like they 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 spend very hard, but it's always a, a short term spending. So it's reopened once again the question of financial fair play in FIFA which there's been rules out there but they're kind of skirted a lot of the times and we see people you know come in all the times be it Paris Saint-Germain being owned now by the Qatari or or the Arab I mean the Saudi Arabian money that poured into uh, Newcastle United this past right. year which by the way they are now six on the table right now but it's a, it's it's a, it's a it's a crowded middle of the table there but either way like I, I get it if you're Liverpool out there you feel like you've kind of dotted your eyes and uh, dotted your eyes and crossed your T's and even still like this is the year where it's starting to crumble for you in spite of all your Champions League success it does however kind of sound like sour milk too so the U.S. is a prohibitive underdog against England five weeks from Friday. You have an update on that game. We do. So this is the time of year where you never really want to see too many injuries. And yet at the same time, we're also butting up against, uh, we're also really butting up against, you know, where we are with, with um, you know, club, club, club play. And we've already seen several players who have like who are trying to fight through some injuries? Brazil fears that their striker, uh, their their forward Richarlison might be missing the World Cup. He had a calf injury in the Tottenham uh, Everton game. Argentina's Paulo Dybala is out for a while, and he's hoping to make the World Cup after a after he kind of left the Roma match this past week with an injury. But a young a young player for England, and if my computer will stop crashing here. Uh, Reese James might miss the World Cup with a knee injury. Now he's only 22, but he's one of the younger defenders on the English on the English side and brings a lot of youth and energy to that that club. He plays for Chelsea and you know, if he misses the World Cup, it could be a bit of a blow to the depth on the English roster as we kind of gear up for the World Cup. It, it's really hard this time of year, Bernie. It was always kind of a accepted risk, especially with the World Cup having to be played in the winter months for the Northern Hemisphere just because the World Cup's taking place in Qatar that, right. you know, we're butting up against the the, cl- the club season and in the club season, you're going to be playing as hard as, as hard as hell and that means injuries and that's exactly what's happened to Reese James is what happened to Richarlson it's what's happened to Paulo Dybala so big injuries that something to keep an eye on as we get closer and closer to the World Cup and uh, I start to get ready to write my group previews Right. I'm glad you mentioned the group because the U.S. is in Group B with Wales, Iran, and England. Here's what's interesting. England, there's No one's going to question England. I think they're number five FIFA ranking in the world. They're legit, right? The USA yeah. somehow is 14th. Here's the part I don't get. The Wales is 19th and Iran's 22nd. All right, what's the significance? So in an eight-day span, the U.S. 
starting Monday, November 21st, will play Wales. Four days later, they'll play England. Four days later after that, they play Iran. I can't see him doing better than one and two in that in that round. I, I, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm trying to think what it would be. I, I, These I'm, two friendlies I'm, were disappointing as hell. I'm sorry. They, they, they were. They, they were. They can't score any goals. They'll. I, I will be lucky to see them get probably. I, I'm. I'm average. I'm probably estimating them somewhere between four to two points. I don't know if that's good enough to beat England. I don't even know if that's good enough to beat Wales. To if be they honest. just I think tie England, but they better. They better beat Iran. You would hope so, but they just had a, a an even worse disappointing friendly against Saudi Arabia, and I get Sought. that it's a it's a friendly. It's not for the World Cup, but I mean, Iran is your back end after you've after you've gone through Wales and England that there might be points you absolutely need to move on. I it's a tough spot even with competition like that. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, Chris. You're just not getting shots on goal, so. They got five weeks to fix it. Maybe they'll have their full complement. They'll have their full roster. All right, be back next Friday. Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. And next Friday will be officially five weeks from the day. The, game, the England game is the one I'm looking at at the most. But be that as it may, as part of Group B, you'll see eight. You'll see three games in eight days. Coming up, uh, we wrap up the show. And, uh, and we send you off to Andy Furman, who will follow me at uh, 3 a.m. Pacific. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, the Tyrac.com Studios. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas, and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Back at the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios. Here in Las Vegas, follow me on Twitter, at Bernie Fratto. Hey, football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio, Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff leading into every week. That's right. Tune in on Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. We take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio in the iHeartRadio app presented by BetMGM. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team, Chris Perfett, Brandon Trufa, Steve DeSager, Dan Beyer, all chipping in tonight, doing a great job turning all the dials, keeping us glued together so we can bring this show to a grateful nation. They've been with me since 11 p.m. on Friday night, covered a hell of a lot of ground tonight. Incredibly eventful night in the playoffs, in the Major League playoffs, certainly in college football. Some fan bases went home happy today, even including Oklahoma. They went home happy. Clemson went home happy. Michigan. Alabama, not so much. Tennessee, yes. UC, USC, not so much. Tough day for Los Angeles teams. The Dodgers, 76-13 and 13 when they score first. 
They scored first, scored the first three runs, and lost. 111 wins this year. Ten times in their history, the Dodgers have won 100 or more games during the regular season. Unfortunately, that trend continues. They didn't follow it up by winning the World Series. Just incredible, the high drama baseball. And it was 34 years ago. The Dodgers were eliminated Saturday night, October 15th. 34 years ago to the day, Saturday night, Kirk Gibson hits the incredible home run off Dennis Eckersley that propelled the Dodgers to win the World Series. The Seattle Mariners fans, they go home sad. Houston moves right along. And who might be next? Might it be the New York Yankees? They got Cleveland on Sunday. There's no guarantee they do anything. It's just crazy the way this is unfolding. The Yankees were leading by three runs or two runs Friday, uh, Saturday night in their history of the playoffs. 167 times they led by two runs or more in the ninth inning. 167-0. That got broken Saturday night. All right. The Pittsburgh Steelers is a game I'm watching closely. It's got a classic what you call rebound from a 38-3 beatdown. The Steelers have a situation where in their history or when you have a situation where an NFL home dog is coming off a loss of 24 or more points, long-term since 1980, they're 58% against the spread. This is not a small sample size. This has happened over 400 times. Mitch, or check that, Kenny Pickett has a chance to make some bones on Sunday. A tough game against Buffalo, but that offense actually had six possessions of eight or more plays, got into the red zone multiple times. They just couldn't close it out. Tampa Bay is not quite there yet. I expect Tampa Bay to win the game, but Pittsburgh's getting nine points. When Pittsburgh has been a home dog, they've been a home dog 23 times in the last 40 years, and I will tell you, they're 18-5 and five against the spread as a home dog. So I will, I'm not telling you what to do, but Pittsburgh's the one game. I have fired on for Sunday. Lots of great matchups as we head into week six of the NFL, which kicks off here in just a little over seven hours. That's going to do it for the Bernie Fratto Show tonight on Fox Sports Radio. Thanks so much for listening. You'll see me back on these airways 11 p.m. Pacific next Friday night. In the meantime, keep it locked right here. Don't go anywhere. Up next, the great Andy Furman. Keep it locked. Fox Sports Radio. High Five Casino Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumber5Casino.com. High Five Casino. Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.